What's going on, everybody? You're back with the Real Bodybuilding Podcast, and I'm with the brain, Mr. Lane Norton. I have a lot of bro science questions to ask you. <laughs> hopefully, Perfect. Hopefully, we can sift through all the nonsense. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, but no, I wanted to start, actually, how are you? How's everything going? Yeah, just busy. You know, I'm, I'm sure uh, everybody has the same story, right? We're all pretty yeah. busy, but uh, yeah, I got a lot of different... Um, business stuff that's that's kind of hitting all this year so um it's been it's been good but it's been a little bit uh difficult to kind of get in a rhythm when you've got so many irons in the fire but uh, i was gonna ask you because you have you have two kids right mm -hmm. yeah you have two kids i see you started a podcast you have like this diet thing you're doing you have like there's a whole bunch of different avenues you're going down and i'm like how do you find the time because i got a few things on the go but i don't have kids yeah. Like, I don't know how you manage all your time. And well, I got a good nanny. So that's, that's one. <laughs> so that makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, it, that's actually been uh, one of the challenging things this year, especially with COVID uh, when the schools were closed down, oh, yeah. like it was, you know, in, in their, your homeschool and your kids, like that's tough. That's usually time yeah. that, you know, I was, I was getting stuff done. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like you mentioned, like the biggest thing we had this year was we launched a nutrition coaching app which yeah. um, has been absolutely killing it. Um, is, that the, is that the carbon diet? Yeah, oh. carbon diet coach. Yeah, okay. so we've got, we just went over uh, 20,000 members on that. Wow, um, good that's for you. Been, yeah, that's been killing it. So we get, we've got um, like 4.8 star rating in the Apple and Google stores, which is really good. If, it, yeah. if you guys have ever checked out apps, it's really hard to get a high rating like that. So mm -hmm. yeah, we're, we're super happy. It's, it's, it's going awesome, uh, but there's that. Um, I'm launching a, a, a supplement company uh, this month, actually called Outwork Nutrition as well. Okay. Um, and yeah, then obviously we've got our coaching team, and then I've got a subscription uh, website that does premium content as well as training programs and all that kind of stuff. So damn man. And then I'm starting a, a research review, and I'm also working <laughs> on a uh, a coaching certification, so an actual. Uh, accredited coaching certification. So my goal, my goal is always like, I, I think it took me a while to really figure out what I was really good at. And yeah. I think what I'm good at is content, like just, just starting. Um, yeah, just doing stuff. Like just, just being able to relate complex material in a, in a pretty palatable way, but also not being real dry. Like a lot of people who are yeah. very into science are. Yeah. So um, I think what I, what my kind of plan was a few years ago was like, all right, let's, let's build products that basically I can just make content to support those products. Yeah. And now I'll just be putting my, my time into what I'm good at. You yeah. Know? So that's, that's kind of in the plan the last few years, but it's uh, man, it takes time to get this stuff off the ground. That's I was going to sure. say anybody who says they don't have time is now full of shit because <laughs> I just started coaching again. Cause we're doing the We have a supplement company and I have the podcast and, um, I just decided to start coaching again. And I'm like, I don't know if I have the time. And now we talk to you and I'm like, it seems like, I don't know where you're getting, like, I don't know. Do you sleep? Like, I don't <laughs> yeah. My wife and I joke because we work together and uh, you know, we live, work in the same office, live in the same house. And I'm like, we get to the end of the day laying in bed. And we're like, I haven't seen you all day. Yeah. You yeah. Know, like, it's, it's tough. It's um, so, you know, I, part of it is I love what I do. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, the, like I get frustrated every once in a while. I had a little, I had my own little hissy fit yesterday on social media about uh, why. Uh, oh, I just, you know, like um, it, it gets to be difficult when you like work so hard to, you know, accrue uh, information and knowledge. And then you present that to people and then they go, 
well, that's not what I believe. So I'm just going to go ahead and keep believing this other thing, you know? Yeah. So it, it's, it, 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 every once, like probably like once a year I go, I have a little fuck it moment. Um, but then I, I pull my shit together and I, I, uh, you know, I'm just real about it. Like a lot of people have those moments, right? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just real about it. Yeah, no. Um, but yeah, so it, it's one of those things where it's like, um, um, We've also had like a challenging time because uh, my wife and I went on vacation for a week, which we never do. Yeah. Came back and then our assistant uh, quit or was, oh. was taking another job. And then we had a coach who also left at the same time. And then my, uh, one of my kids was exposed to somebody at school who had COVID and he oh, had shit. to be quarantined for two yeah. weeks at home. And yeah. so like all that stuff coming together, it was just like, you know, so... Um, it's been trying to, trying to keep up has been difficult, but yes, I do sleep. Um, <laughs> uh, just, um, usually like literally, um, kind of working throughout the day and, and the goal is not to be like that forever, but the goal is yeah. to, you know, get to a point where, you know, we've got these things built. Um, and then, you know, we can, we can kind of take a little bit of a step back, but as you know, uh, you know, people talk about like, uh, I was forgetting who I was listening to, but like passive income. Yeah. That's such a bullshit. Like the, Why do you no think bullshit. that's bullshit? Why do you think that's bullshit? Oh, there's scalable income. But I, think you're, you, I think there's such a thing as passive income. I think passive income is like investments. But if you don't, like, for example, if you don't put energy into something, like if I wasn't putting energy into our diet app, like talking about it, code, like it's not going to do well. You but, know what I mean? But the flip side of that is if I have, if I'm looking for passive, let's say the supplement company, for example, mm-hmm. there's going to come a day where, I'm not bodybuilding at all. And maybe I'm not even doing the podcast, but the supplement company's right. taken off and it's just making me money. Yeah, that is, that is true. Um, but it's going to work to get to that point requires the, a lot of time. Oh yeah. yeah. It has there, to become, because when you first launch it, it's, it's just you, right? Like that's yeah. your thing. Yeah. And eventually your goal is that it becomes its own thing yeah. so that it doesn't have to just be you. And then maybe one day you can either, you know, you're just, making money off the dividends of that, or you yeah. s- you're able to sell it, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but to get to that point is, is really, really difficult. So yeah, that's um, what I think that's but, what all the time investment is right now. Yeah. So that, that, that's kind of where we're at, but um, no, I think, you know, I always tell people like, listen, um, you know, the way I always try to say things is I try to say, I try not to say I don't have time because everybody has the same amount of time. Uh, I try to say it's not a priority, right. That's I've true. gotten yeah. better at that. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, like I tell people, I'm like, people say, well, I don't have time to work out. I'm like, no, you do. It's not a priority. And that might actually be okay. Right. Like if you're yeah. a single mom and you've got three kids and you're working two jobs and putting yourself through school now might not be the time to start prepping for a show. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. it might not be the best time it might not be a yeah. priority. Yeah. That's okay. You got bigger fish to fry. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that, um, I think when we f- reframe it that way, you kind of go, you can kind of say objectively, okay, is it a priority or not? No, it's not. And here's why. Okay, that's fine. But then if you're, you know, watching Netflix, you know, six hours a day, yeah, you go, well, it's, it's not a priority. You're kind yeah. of like, well, then what's your priority? I, I heard um, there's a guy named Les Brown said something that I, I, I really like. And he said, um, when, when people talk about priorities, don't listen to what they say. Look at what, what they do, yeah. right? Because... Yeah. 
they will tell you what their priority is by their actions, not yeah. by their words. Yeah. And I find yeah. that to be very, very true, right? It's a really good way of framing it because I think when you say, I don't have time, I think internally, you know, you're full of shit, yeah. right? Like most people can find the time. I think when you, when you say, when you say it's not a priority, you're kind of like, now that you're being honest with yourself, it almost feels better. Cause I know for me, if I say I don't have time, I kind of know I'm lying because I can kind of make the time if I really want to. Yeah. And, I, and I've said the same thing, right? Like I've said, yeah. I don't have time before. And I yeah. was full of shit, like you said, yeah. I, I, um, I think it's the difference between trying to offload that personal responsibility versus, yeah. you know, embracing that personal yeah. responsibility. Yep. And um, I find, you know, it, the, the kind of victim mentality can be tempting because it's like, okay, it's not my fault. It's all these other things. Yeah. Yeah. But I actually find that that's very disheartening in the long term. even though it might feel good for your ego in the short term, it's very disheartening in the long term because now what you're saying is I don't have control over this. There's nothing I can do. I'm just like, this is just what is right. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's many things you don't have control over in your life, but your time is something you have 100% control over. Yeah. Right? Like you, yeah, you can, for the most part. Yeah. You can decide to do it. Now you might, there might be consequences, but you are in control of your time. So yeah, yeah I, that's, you know, I, I think probably a lot of successful people just frame things differently, you know, like, yeah. in, in, in that sort of thing. But, you know, it's, it's tough and trying to find that, you know, balance, you know, and still being, you know, dad and that sort yeah. of thing. Um, you know, cause I don't want to be, you know, the, the Steve jobs who gets to his end of his life and like his kids didn't want anything to do with yeah, him. You know what I yeah. mean? Cause all I did was work. Uh, so I don't, I don't want that, but I also, you know, want to do some, some cool shit. So, yeah. you know, I think it's a, it's a constant learning process and hopefully I was gonna, I'm getting better at it. I was going to ask you, you mentioned something about working with your wife. I didn't know that you worked with just like, I didn't know that she, you guys were in the business together. I work with my wife. We were in the supplement com company together. And people ask me all the time how that is. So I kind of want to know is how is that relationship? Is it tough? Is it easy? Is there times when you want to, you want to kill her? <laughs> she's, not, she, she's not going to listen to this. You could tell. You could tell. You could tell. <laughs> no, she won't. She won't. She's too busy. Yeah. She listens to the podcast that I watch. She, she listens to other podcasts. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah. So I don't know uh, how much you know about my wife, but so she's a, she's a, she has a master's in, in nutrition and she also uh, was very successful competitor okay. um, was top 10 at WBFF worlds um, last year. And then second in the Atlantic city pro show. So she's, she's, you know, very seasoned competitor, also great coach, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, we're, 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 we're that we joke that we're the only people we've ever met who could match each other's work ethic. Yeah. And in, in some, some ways that's great, but some ways that's really tough too. Yeah. I think, you know, the positives to that is, um, you know, when you're, if you're in a relationship where one person is kind of pulling the work ethic, some people like that because some people, they want to be the workers and then they want to go home and have that person who's just done everything else. And, you know, yeah. they get that support and they kind of have them available when they want. Right. Like, yeah. cause that's the downside. Like if you, if you love somebody who's a hard worker, well, guess what? They're not always going to be available when you want to be available, right? Yeah. yeah. So I remember, because um, my relationship now is very uh, different than uh, the one I had before. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, again, that a lot of people would would prefer the other type of relationship, whatnot. But I remember when I was first, um, you know, my wife and I were first living together. Um, she, 
I was so used to not doing dishes and like that sort of thing. I remember yeah. one day she, she came home from the op, she came home and she looks at me and there's like a bunch of dishes in the sink. The, the house is a mess. And she looks at me and she's like, honey, I don't know if you work that know this, but I work too. <laughs> she's like, so yeah. either we're hiring a maid or clean your shit up. And yeah. I'm like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. yeah I, I get the dynamic you're talking about because Summer has been in the industry for 20 years, not on the competitive side, but the research and development side. Yeah. And she's extremely driven. So I, I kind of, we butted heads at the beginning because yeah. everybody wants to take control, right? Like if you were with a driven person, that person has an A type personality. You used to be an alpha. Yeah. Right. And she's like, no, I want it like this. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I always get my <laughs> way. <laughs> so, so there was, that was a period- definitely. Yeah, there was like a set because we've been in business now for seven months, eight months, maybe the first we were good up until the launch. And after the launch, there was like a little bit of tumultuous couple months where we were like jostling for position. Yeah. You know, you're doing it. You're not you don't even know you're doing it, but you're doing it. Sure. And then and then I think we settled into the fact that we both just need each other and we both have skills that the other person doesn't have. That is 100% how Holly and I are. So actually, yeah. um, I joke that she's good at everything I suck at. And I'm good at everything she sucks at. Exactly. We actually balance each other out pretty well because she's, she's very much like a perfectionist. And we'll, if, if, if it came to it, it actually ends up impeding her from getting stuff done because she's so she, – she wants it to – she kind of aim, aim. That's exactly aim. it. Man, Whereas like I'm, like, I'm like, fuck it jump out the plane and we'll assume there's a parachute on the way down. Right. We'll figure it out. Yeah. So we kind of balance each other out that way. Um, And I also, I need somebody who's a little bit more perfectionist to make sure our ducks in a row and and that sort of thing. But yeah, it was very hard for me uh, at first because I was used to like in business, I would just, if I wanted to do something, I just did it. You do what you want. I was like, you know, we had, we had moments, both of us had moments because she, she was from Australia and she owned her own business in Australia and both of us had moments where it was like, oh, shit, we got to run this past somebody else. Talk to somebody <laughs> you know, else. Like, yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so funny, uh, I, I think it's when you're in business with your significant other, it can be like one of the most rewarding things, especially when you have something that like goes, you know, you work really hard and there's a lot of compromise and a lot of, you know, maybe debates and that sort of thing. And then it launches, it does well. Like you get a great sense of fulfillment from doing that with your partner. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it also means that like sometimes, you know, you have a disagreement in business and it can carry over into the personal life. It's not like, yeah. it's not like, well, we got business hat on now. Yeah. So we can have this disagreement. Okay. We're going home. Business hat comes <laughs> off and now it's personal. <laughs> it's like, no, you go over there. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. There's, there's definitely been some of those moments. But, yeah. We've uh, had it. We've had a couple where like, I'll sleep on the couch tonight. I'll talk to you in the morning. Kind of, kind of nights, but. Um, but it's funny though, because I think, I don't know how it happened, but like when you come to that realization that you need the other person and their skills, you kind of stop, like, it's just become very fluid. Now there was a period where it was weird. And then now it's just very simple. And I wonder if it's a male, female thing too, because you basically described my wife and, (laughs) and I'm, and I'm a lot like you where we're just like, she's definitely the perfectionist organizer of the situation. And I'm fly by the seat of my pants yeah i think in general i think women have a little more attention to detail than than yeah. men you yeah. know like yeah. they think about stuff we don't think about 
right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I've, I've also met men who are definitely type A, you know, yeah. very perfectionist mentality, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, I could poo-poo certain things about that, but there's certain things that that brings to the table that like I, I just wouldn't think about. Yeah. you know, that, 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 that she brings to the table. So yeah. in the end, it's good. It just means we have to understand that like, sometimes we're going to butt heads and, and that that's okay. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean that, you know, things aren't good. It just means that every once in a while, we're going to, we're going to see the debate. Different. Yeah. You so know? the reason I want to have you on the show is you're doing a diet and I didn't realize it was from your, I didn't actually realize it was from your carbon diet coaching app. Yeah. Is that what yeah. it's connected to? Yeah. Oh, so I guess. And this is not, I hope people don't think this is like a sales thing but i didn't i actually didn't i actually just want to know why you're doing the diet and what it was but now that i know it's part of your app i'm curious what why is the app helping how does it help what is the diet about because i've heard you talk about diet breaks and not diet breaks and yeah so why don't you just walk me through first why why are you doing the diet just to get in better shape or is there a reason yeah so um i'll give you a little bit of there's probably a little more background to it than than you might think but essentially um a couple of years ago, I hurt my back pretty badly. Um, I, you know, I, I was pretty successful in powerlifting. I won the national championship twice. Uh, okay. was a gold medalist at Worlds in the squat um, in 2015, and uh, won the won, won the pro Arnold meet as well in my weight class. Um, yeah. So I had a, I had a really uh, good like two year run there, and then I started kind of coming into some injuries that kind of culminated in a in a aggravation of a back injury in 2000. December of 2017 that like literally I could not get off the floor okay. um, for about 36 hours. Wow. Um, so I had two herniated discs, two bulge discs in my back and everything was just locked up. Like my, my wife actually, like I remember getting up in the middle of the night to have to go to the bathroom and she literally had to come around the bed and help me because yeah. I couldn't, like I couldn't get there. Yeah. Um, so uh, I went and I saw a, uh, the kind of the leading expert in the world in, in back pain, uh, Dr. Stu McGill, uh, okay. who's actually in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I met with him in Jacksonville. And, um, you know, I got, got some good news with, with, with so, insofar as that, in terms of, you know, he thought I would, you know, recover and that there wasn't going to be any long-term risk of me continuing to lift any more than just, you know, having risk. You know, and what I'll tell everybody is like, you know, people want to want to get on me about it. I'm like, listen, man, Everybody gets injured in this game. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. hundred percent. The, the, the reason y'all are giving me shit is because I'm actually talking about it because nobody wants to talk about it when it happens. That's right. Because one, nobody wants to show their low moments. And two, they know that if they talk about getting injured, they're going to have a bunch of fucking idiots telling them why they did something wrong yeah. and how they did it. They have a bunch of morons who've never squatted over 200 pounds telling yeah. them why they were, did it wrong. Right. So they just don't want to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I showed that process because I wanted to be transparent. I thought it would help a lot of lifters who, who are going through the same thing and probably yeah. feel like that, you know, they're the top lifters don't go through that. Yeah. So anyway, uh, met with Stu McGill and he was like, you know, you're, you're recovered from this, you know, you need to give yourself about six months of just not touching a barbell, you know, which is like torture for me. No, of course. Yeah. Um, and, and he said he thought that going up a weight class would be good for me in powerlifting. So going from, I was, I competed in the 93 kilo class, which is 205 pounds. Yeah. Um, and the next one up is 231 pounds or, uh, or 105 kilos. That's a big jump. So a big, big jump. I mean, I'd yeah. been, I'd been a little bit over a hundred kilos before. So a little bit over like, you know, I'm a, you know, when I was doing, um, 
natural bodybuilding competitions, my peak off-season weight would have probably been like 226, 227, something like that. And then yeah. I would compete around 190 or 192. Okay. Um, and so I was like, all right, well, throughout the process of getting injured a few times, I had lost some, some lean body mass. And, you know, I was like, okay, well, let's go up weight class, at least initially, um, you know, let this, you know, kind of hopefully protect my lower back a little bit as I'm, reco- as I'm coming back add back some of that lean body mass and whatnot. And it worked. Like I, I, I did, I, I came back, uh, I placed 12 foot nationals out of probably like 200 people. Something okay. like that. Can I interrupt you though? Because I yeah. think now that we've gone back this far, I'm actually have a bigger question. So that time off, how much weight did you put on? Yeah. So I started at about 205 and I ended up, um, the weekend nationals, I was 232. So I cut like one pound just to okay. you know, get to the weight limit. Um, so it was about uh, 27 pounds, but that but, was over about an 18 month period. What about the time when you couldn't touch a barbell? How much did you stay that maintained there? Or did you, were you putting on weight that time? Probably added about six or seven pounds during that time. So there was about 12 months after that, when you started training, where you added another 24 pounds, say 20 pounds. Yeah. Something like that. Something like that. So about two pounds a month, you know, half a, half a pound a week would yeah. be about what it was. How much body fat do you think you gained in that time? Oh, I mean, so calipering, you know, again, I mean, get, say, get guesstimate. I mean, we're yeah, not, yeah. Not, so I'll, I'll say these numbers and people go, well, you weren't really that. No. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. fine. But this is just the measurement. Just I for, it's just for a, another question I have leading up. It's right, not, right, right. Yeah. So, um, so I was, I was calipering at about when I was peak and powerlifting about seven and a half to 8%. And then in my peak, off season, I was probably like in the 15s, I would okay. say for calipers. Okay. So at that 232 weight, you're around 15%, you'd say? Yeah. Yeah. On calipers. Yeah. Um, would you think, okay, so I've heard a couple different, and the reason I'm bringing this up is I've heard a couple different people say, like I had Justin uh, Harris on my show. He's a pretty successful coach yep, in bodybuilding. I know Justin. Yeah. And Justin says that the leaner you are, the better your off season is going to be because your insulin sensitivity is higher. Now, in my experience, in my off-seasons, I've always done better when I've just put on a lot of weight. I mean, obviously not sloppy fat, but I think I've been up to the 14 15% area before. This is a constant debate, or con- it's not even a debate. It's a constant thing I try to push on my channel because I see a lot of guys in this new generation, the social media generation, that don't want to add... They don't want to add the fat, right? Because like, oh, I look like shit. I can't post any photos. Yeah. And I'm like, that's why you're the same weight every single year. So I want, I want, I wanted to bring somebody else on that could explain it scientifically because I know it works through experience, Yeah, but maybe you can give some backstory as to why that's important. So I, I used to kind of have that opinion of, that Justin had a little bit, you know, Yeah. but if that, if that was the case, then it, so let's just play this logic out. If that was the case, we should just stay stage lean because that's when you're the most insulin sensitive, right? Yeah. yeah. So what you have to remember is that, your insulin sensitivity in muscle has a different threshold than your insulin sensitivity in fat because both muscle and fat have the same glute uh, four receptors, okay. the same insulin stimulated receptors. Okay. So when you are, you got, think about body fat, it's like a, a wet rag, right? So as you squeeze that rag, water comes out, right? Mm-hmm. What, what happens is, you know, when you're 15, 20% and that rag is soaked, it's yeah. easy to drop fat, right? Yeah, yeah. It's what I always tell people I can get to 7% on calipers and it doesn't, it's not even hard. 
Yeah. It's not even difficult. It doesn't feel like dieting, right? Yeah. yeah. For me to go from seven to three percent is a fucking nightmare. Of course, like, yeah. That's where the work starts. And really, yeah. that's only like that's very little body fat, like actual yeah. fat mass, right? Yeah. yeah. That's because you're wringing the last little bits out. Think about how much harder you have to yeah. wring that rag, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, your adipose, your your fat cells shrink and expand. Typically, your fat cells do not increase or decrease in number. We do have adipose cell turnover. It's about 10 years okay. uh, for an adipose cell to die, but usually the number doesn't change. It's just replaced, right? Okay. Okay. There are some rare exceptions to that, but um, for the most part, it doesn't change. So what happens is as those cells shrink, as you're dieting down, those cells become more and more sensitive, okay? okay. Well, if you're exercising and you have a good amount of lean body mass, you've already, you're already kind of maxing out your insulin sensitivity in muscle. Yeah. What you're really doing is you're, maxim you're maximizing your insulin sensitivity in fat okay. when you're getting leaner. Okay. So let, let's, let's, let's think about this for a moment. If it, was if it was really true, and I think just full disclosure, I think Justin's a smart guy. Sure. So just because we're disagreeing doesn't mean I don't respect him. Sure. Um, but if it was easier to make lean gains, then why is the predominant amount of mass that's gained initially after a show fat mass? Right? Is it? Yes. Yes. There, there is I some lean body mass, but a lot of it's water. Water and glycogen. Yeah. 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 But there is quite a bit of fat mass. And, and think about from a survival perspective, it makes sense. I mean, if you've got, you've got this, your body, one, wants to, <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff that goes on in terms of like the, the, the fat cell. The fat cell physiology is actually incredible. Okay. Um, but so for example, one of the things, you've heard about body fat set point or settling point, right? Yeah, yeah I want to actually touch on that today, but go on. Yeah, so the further you get outside that, the more, yeah. the more difficult it becomes to lose fat, the hungrier you get, the more it tries to push you back towards that set point. There's also evidence that as you diet and those fat cells shrink, it actually, so your fat cells don't just float around in your body, right? They're, they're, they're stratified or not stratified. They're, um, they're scaffolded, scaffolded to, yeah. your, to, your, to your body. And that's through something called an extracellular matrix. Well, there's a, quite a bit of evidence to suggest that as you diet and those fat cells shrink, it actually places a lot of stress on that extracellular matrix, okay. which is one of the big signals to your brain for you to overeat. And also one of the big signals for it to fill back up with triglyceride when you're, when you're coming, um, when you're reintroducing food, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and it makes sense because you do need a certain amount of body fat to survive. That's your body's, um, you know, energy reserve. And let's think about this for a moment. Um, you know, as a bodybuilder, you're going to have far more lean body mass than the average person, right? Yeah, that yeah. tissue is energetically expensive. It's expensive to maintain, yeah. right? If you have 98, you know, 95% of your mass is lean body mass and yeah. less than 5% is fat mass, of course the body's going to prioritize refilling that fat mass quickly yeah. compared yeah. to lean body mass. From a survival perspective, it makes sense. And that's what we tend to see. If you look at the studies on um, like regaining weight mm -hmm. uh, and uh, lean mass versus fat mass, fat mass comes back way faster than lean mass. Now, yeah. that being said, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's productive to get sloppy in the off season 
But here's the thing that a lot of people don't realize. So, so one more point I'll make up is, is oh. that when you're, when you're below your body fat set point, um, protein oxidation goes up, meaning the, the amount of protein that you eat more likely to be oxidized rather meaning, than used for... Meaning so, wasted uh, or not? I don't want to say wasted because it's not really wasted, but it's not going to be it's not going to be partitioned towards building lean tissue as much, right? Okay. It's going to okay. be oxidized for energy. Those carbon skeletons are going to be used more for gluconeogenesis, that sort of okay. thing. Okay. When you're getting closer to your set point or near your set point, you know, your body, that's kind of, I'm, I'm really, um, it's okay. If you dumb it down, I'm dumbing it down. Yeah. yeah but, it's okay. but your body's saying, okay, we're back to where we like to be, uh, or close to it. Now we don't have to, we don't have to be you know, so focused on filling up, you know, fat cells with triglyceride. We can afford, we have some extra energy. We can afford to start partitioning more of that towards lean mass. Yeah. And I mean, think about the reverse, the reverse effect when you're dieting down, right? Yeah. Most of the lean tissue you lose getting ready for a show. And obviously, you know, drugs can change this, but most of the sure. lean tissue that's lost is at the end. It's not at the beginning. Yeah, right? of course. Yeah. You're, you're, because because you're, you, you have to get so aggressive. And this is one mm -hmm. thing people don't understand. They go, well, you know, I, I, was, I was this much on calipers. Judges don't give a fuck what you were on calipers. Yeah. Don't give a fuck what you were on DEXA. Don't care about any of that. It's about getting just that little. And by the end, you might have to lose more lean body mass, especially for drug-free guys. You might have to yeah. lose more lean body mass as a proportion of what you're losing compared to your uh, fat mass Mm -hmm. just to get that last little bit of fat off so that you have that incredible look of muscularity. Cause what people don't realize, and we'll touch on this going back into the off season, the best way to look like you gain 10 pounds of muscle quickly is to lose 10 pounds of yeah. fat. Yeah. There's a reason dudes step on stage at the lowest body fat levels possible because that is what looks the most muscular, yeah. right? Yeah. Leanness looks muscular. Yeah. So back on that, even if you don't get sloppy in the off season, 15% isn't sloppy. 15% is an average body fat mass, right? Yeah, yeah. And you're lifting weights. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're in a zone where you're fueling your body. And like when you were getting a little bit heavier, I mean, you probably, that's probably the best you felt in training. Yeah. Right? Plenty yeah. of energy. Yeah. Moving big weights. We, uh, we call it a cushion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we call it a cushion and we're training. We're like, you know what? I got this fat. It's a cushion. I feel better. Less risk of injury. All that kind of, all those kind of things. Right. So, so, um, but people like, if you put those pictures up, but people go, mm. you got sloppy, you let yourself yeah. go, you know, yeah. you do like that sort of thing. So I, what I, I think where uh, we kind of intersected was I put up a picture of my kind of before and after. And I, I said, both of these physiques were a choice by me. Yeah. Right. Like, it's so funny. Cause you, if you read my YouTube comments, people were like, here's this fat guy talking about nutrition. And I'm like, do you guys think that I just forgot how to diet? By accident, yeah. Yeah, like, do you, do you think that this was just like, one day I just stopped paying attention? No, like, even if you eat quote unquote clean food or, you know, high nutrient density food, if you eat enough calories, you, you will add some get, fat yeah. mass, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So, and as you know, also, as you get further into the off season, it becomes hard to get that much clean food down or, yeah. or nutrient dense food down. You, you've almost have to incorporate some more calorie dense food just to hit that amount of calories that you're striving for yeah. to add more lean body mass. So um, the, the impetus for, for dieting back down 
Um, I, I, you know, I wasn't really uncomfortable with my physique at, at two thirty. Like I, you know, I always tell people, I'm like, you know, fitness industry, the dysmorphia is, is unreal. Right. Yeah. And we do yeah. it to ourselves. Right. Yeah. But I'm like, if you, if you if you feel like you're fat, just go to the beach and look at everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I, but like, I, I want to interrupt you for a second though. So you got up to two thirty two. you got down to two Oh four was your lean body mass. You said, uh, not lean body mass, but your stage, I believe you said it was your... Stage weight was about 190. Oh, 190. Sorry. Um, a, little bit, a little bit more than that, depending, depending on the show. And that was from 230, but no, but not from 232. You, this is after yeah, so your injury. I, I, I was, I would, I'd, the, so 2010 was the last time I competed. Yeah, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about after your injury. You said you got up to 232. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. My, my weight I started out would have been right around 205, 206, yeah. 207. Yeah. Um, and then got up to 232, yeah. Okay, so you're, the way you look in your after shots that you posted, what's that weight? Uh, that is right around 204, 205. Yeah, okay, so that's what I'm touching on. So you've lost about 25 pounds. What I want to know, what I want you to explain to people is why did you put on the 25 pounds? Why couldn't, okay, so- why couldn't, you, just, why couldn't you just stay 205? Because what a lot of people say is, well, if I put on the 25 pounds or the 30 pounds or 40 pounds, whatever it is, I'm going to lose a bunch of muscle when I, when I try and lose it. Uh, I think if you diet long enough or properly, you're not going to lose it. You might, like you said, you might lose some, but that's, you're going to do that no matter what. Yeah. So I, the first thing that's important to note is that lean body mass, p- people use it interchangeably with muscle. It's not right. Yeah. Lean body mass. You're talking about a two compartment model. So yeah. when you, when you get calipers done, when you get a DEXA done, whatever you're getting done, it's showing you fat mass and then everything else. Everything else yeah. Right. Yeah. So you will lose lean body mass when you diet, but that doesn't mean you lost muscle. And a really good way to know a good metric is, you know, you could get like ultrasound measurement thickness if you wanted, like if you, if you're close to a, um, you know, university or something, but you know, if you're maintaining the majority of your strength on most of your exercises, it's a good metric that you probably haven't lost much actual muscle tissue. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like you're not going to retain that contractile strength if you're losing contractile tissue not for the most part. Not necessarily. Well, for the most part, but I feel like even if you're on a very low carb diet, you could lose quite a bit of strength and not necessarily mean you lost muscle. Maybe if your energy's low, right? right? Um Yeah, but still, even even as such, like that's only eventually if you're getting shredded enough, yeah, you're going to lose strength. Like yeah. that's just going to happen, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but but. And that's why it's not a perfect surrogate for, for muscle mass. But yeah. uh, I say for in general, for most people who aren't getting stage. It's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Idea. If, you, if you're keeping your strength, then, you know, you can be relatively confident that you've kept most of your muscle mass. Sure. Um, so I, I see this a lot too, where it's like the recomping thing, right? Like everybody yeah. just wants to recomp. I'm like, okay, cool. Show me one person who's recomped to an awesome physique. I, I want to yeah. see it. Right. Like in terms of started with, you know, low muscle mass, you know, normal fat mass yeah. and built themselves up to a really impressive physique. Now unless, I realize that's anecdote. Yeah. Unless they had, the only time I've seen that happen is if they already had an awesome physique before. Right. Sure. And sure. then they look like shit and then they kind of recomped back to. Like and listen, there, there's always exceptions to the rules, yeah. right? Yeah. Like there, there's, there's guys who do it, yeah. you know, the complete opposite way that you would do it. Yeah. Right. But for somebody um, to, for somebody to just look bad, and then all of a sudden look good and not have any weight change. Yeah. I've never seen that either. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's very rare. And so, 
if you look at the, the, there is some literature showing that, you know, you know, muscle protein synthesis is better when you're in an energy surplus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your, your energy is better when you're in energy surplus. Okay. Um, you know, sitting at maintenance, you can you now listen, can you build some muscle, lose some fat at the same time? Sure. But I typically what I tell people is that is going to be confined to a few different groups. And here's my groups. Now, again, this isn't an exhaustive list. And yes, there are people who are outside this list who have done it. But I think this encapsulates about 99% of people who are able to recomp to a significant degree. Like, listen, I'm sure I've had, you know, phases of, you know, eight weeks of time where I've lost a little bit of fat yeah. mass and put on a little bit of muscle mass, but I'm talking about like significant, significant gains. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah. one, uh, people who are new to training, obviously like new training stimulus. Yeah. Now it has a strong partitioning effect. You could be in a fat loss phase and gain muscle. Yeah. You know, like if you're, if you're new, uh, two people who are really obese, um, so if you're, if you have a lot of fat mass, it's not signaling a deficit the same way as somebody who doesn't okay. because you have such a large reservoir of energy that your body isn't going to see the need to break down lean tissue, right? Okay. That's two, um, three people who are on performance enhancing drugs. That's, that's another one, right? And, and yeah. we see that we saw this with a lot of uh, bodybuilders like, um, you know, Kevin Lavroni, Kevin Lavroni would like, yeah. he's like, he didn't even lift in his off season. He's yeah, like, yeah. I'm just going to take, totally take it off. And I'm going to tune it up about six months for the shows, right? Yeah. And he yeah. would recomp his way all the way into show. I just, I just did it for my own, my last prep myself. I was, yeah. I think I lost a little bit. I was 284 and I ended up at the end of my prep at 276 or something like that. And I was like a completely different person. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, so I, I yeah, the PED thing make, makes sense. Anyway, I'm sorry, go on. What was the yeah, next Well, because like, like, resi- like, just like if you're new to resistance training, it's such a strong nutrient partitioning stimulus, you know, it changes sure. things. Yeah. Uh, and then number four, a little bit less so, or if you if you have been like eating low protein or normal protein and you increase your protein significantly, that could have a nutrient partitioning effect, but less okay. less powerful than the other three. And okay. then of course, any combination of those four, right? Okay. So, uh, and some people, you have all four going on, right? Where they're yeah. like due to resistance training, they're overweight, overweight, yeah. Start a high protein diet and they started taking steroids and, and then that's where you get the muscle tech ads, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No hate yeah. muscle tech. No hate. Yeah. No hate. Yeah. 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 Um, so that's part of it. But for the, if you have been lifting for a long period of time, you're, you're closer to your genetic maximum. Um, and you are, you're not taking PEDs. You're probably going to need to put on some actual weight. Like it's yeah. going to be difficult. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that that's what I would say to those people is that, you know, if you, if you do your gaining phase right, if you look at the overfeeding studies, you can add, you know, even ha- if you're advanced, even if you're adding half fat, half lean, you're doing really good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would say even if you're adding 40% lean and 60% fat, you're doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because then when you go to diet, there's quite a bit of evidence that, you know, you can retain, you know, that you only lose, you know, 10 to 30% of your losses will be from lean body mass if you're getting stage lean, that is. Sure. Um, and then I think the way I did it too, like most people aren't patient enough to do this shit the right way, right? Yeah, yeah. So... Like for me, people see like the before and after and me saying the fact that I'm still as strong as I was, I have good energy, good libido, like I'm not feeling like 
super tired. I, I will say my patience level is lower. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the first thing that goes with me. It's yeah. just, I don't, you know, I'll get little. You got hangry. <laughs> not, not even hangry, not even hangry. I just like, I just, my tolerance gets lower. But yeah. um, what people don't realize is like, okay, that, that's a year's time. Yeah. Right? Like I did that over a year. That wasn't 12 weeks, right? Yeah. yeah. That was a year's time. Yeah. So I actually spent more of that year at maintenance or in a slight surplus than I did in a deficit. Sure. So that's where we get into like diet breaks. Mm -hmm. So um, this is something I've been incorporating since 2018. Well, sorry, before we move into diet breaks, I just have yeah. one question. Had you stayed, you were, you were 204 when you started that off season. Had you tried to stay there and then dieted down? Since we've already established that you probably wouldn't have been able to gain that much muscle uh, by recomping where do you think your final weight would have been? Like how much more would you have lost? Had you not given yourself yeah, that off season time? I think it probably honestly wouldn't have been a ton different, you know, yeah. just because if I'm training hard and all that kind of stuff, but I think I probably, I'd probably gotten to this condition a, a few pounds lighter, you know, something like that. Hmm. I probably would have been a few pounds lighter. So somebody would say, then is it worth it? I'm like, okay, fine. So you were 204 and you were lean but you had to get up to 232 and I'm 201 or 200 and I'm lean and I didn't have to do that. So what I would say is, are you a competitor or do you just want to look good? Cause if you just want to look good, then that extra couple pounds of lean body mass doesn't matter. But if you want, if you're like me and you want to yeah. fucking win, yeah. like I want to win. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's my thing is like, makes I don't, sense. like, I don't, yeah, sure. I like looking good and, you know, posting pictures on Instagram. Everybody loves to have that kind of positive feedback and shit. Yeah, but I'm I'm very much I'm all about delayed gratification and keeping my eyes on the prize in terms of the long goal. And if that means I gotta go, I, I gotta go to something I don't like as much for yeah. a little while. That's fine. I'm good. Yeah, with no, it. that's a that's a good distinction. That's the the yeah the competitor is gonna need every single pound, no matter how hard it takes to Absolutely. to get it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good distinction to make. Because I mean, there's a reason that when every you know pro posts a picture of them in like a, their gym lighting, right? When they've got a, you look at it and you go, how could anybody ever beat them? Right. <laughs> yeah. like, you remember like, like that's, that's true. I mean, I remember, uh, Dennis you know, James like, comes to mind. Yeah. Dennis James was like the, the number one, number one guy for that. But like yeah. any of these guys, you take any of these guys, if you, if for those of you who have never met an IFBB pro in person, bodybuilder, you see him in your, if you, when you first see him in your gym, I remember the first one I ever met in person when I was like, you know, 22 years old, yeah. I was and this, I forget exactly who it was, but they were okay. They placed top 15, but I'm like, how could any human ever beat this guy? Right. <laughs> like, and probably the same thing for you. The first yeah. time you ever met an IPV pro, you're like, yeah. how could any human ever beat this I've, guy? I've had people say that to me and I'm like, man, you have no idea how much you bigger. Don't have any idea. Yeah, that much bigger than, and how much better and how many different facets go into it. And it also points out just how small the differences are. When, like when you get to an Olympia stage, yeah, how small those differences are between first and last or yeah. first and 10th. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like there is a difference. There's a reason that the top guys place the top spot. Yeah. But you take that if you took an average person who didn't have a trained eye and you show them the 10th place person, the first place person, they're going to no go. No idea. Yeah. I don't know who wins. You yeah. know what I mean? The, yeah. the, it's going to be very impressive. So that's where, and it's like, it's the same thing. Go look at track and field, right? At the Olympics. 
take number one finisher and number 10 finisher and they're going to finish like you point know, point two seconds apart. I can apart. Yeah. 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 Um, so okay. So I've established your reasoning now for bulking, and it, it actually helps because when people message me and they say, "Oh, I don't believe in bulking. Why do you bulk?" I think the very first question I say I should ask them from now on is, "Are you competing or not?" Yeah. Because that's really going to make all the difference. So that's a good distinction to make. Now on your way down, that's where we I, I want to start getting into. What's the new diet me, all about? Let me address one more thing with that sure. real quick. So sure. and let's all realize that everything exists on a continuum, right? Like yeah. here, here's the problem. And I, I've talked about this a lot is here's the, the, one of the reasons that a lot of people, they, they don't like the idea of bulking because when they've done it, they've done fulking, which is basically yeah. if you've ever done a controlled, this, is, this, happens, this has happened to every bodybuilder. They go, you know what? I'm going to eat in a 100 calorie surplus yeah and i'm just going to perfectly gain a quarter pound per week right yeah how does that work out well what happens is you gain a little bit then nothing 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 then you gain five pounds in a week yeah then you gain nothing you lose two pounds it's not linear like you would like right yeah, yeah. so most people get frustrated by those oscillations and in an attempt to get immediate positive feedback which is the scale going up they just end up eating whatever right yeah. And yeah. not be in a controlled surplus. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of people that has been their experience with bulking, and so they think it's a bad thing. I, I always, I always equate bulking. The problem people have so much problem with bulking is because I think people have equated bulking with eating shit food all day long. Yeah. And I know you don't like the term clean and not clean, but I just have to. Use I, that. I I I I get the colloquial difference. Yeah. You're you're of accepting of it now, so I can. Say. Um, I accept that it is a colloquial term and I, I generally understand what you're okay. referring to. Okay. So the point I'm trying to make is most people when they bulk, they look for the dirtiest, shittiest. It just means it's an excuse to eat McDonald's every night, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's never what I mean. I mean like your clean foods, clean foods in a surplus. Uh, and if you want to add junk, that's fine. But I always have a base diet. But anyway, now we're, yeah. we're, way, we're yeah. way off point. But um, okay. So I want to know what, Okay, your diet seems to be one that people can do more in a lifestyle term. Is that kind of what the point of it is? Yeah, so, all right. So now we're getting back to why did I decide to, to come back down? Yeah. Well, first one was um, I felt like I would be more competitive at uh, the, my original weight class in powerlifting. And I felt comfortable enough with uh, my lower back at that point that I felt like I could, I could do the drop. Yeah. And two, just being completely honest, um, it does help if you're trying to sell diet related products to be leaner. It, yeah. it sucks that that's the, the case because you know, you would think that, all right, I have all these credentials. I've done yeah. all this stuff. I have gotten in really great shape before because here's the photos, but it's what have you done for me lately? Right. That's so right. Um, that, that was a big part of it. Um, and then obviously like this app was kind of like the, the, the biggest thing in the pipeline for us. Yeah. And we, we wanted to sell it, you know, so sure. I think the best way for me to sell it is to use it myself and, and show people how I use it. Right. Okay. Um, so I started doing that and uh, I just said, okay, well I'll get, I'll get down to like two ten, you know, and just see how I feel, see where I'm at and, and go from there. Yeah. And for me to get to two ten, I started in November of last year. Okay. And for me to get to two ten, I want to say I got there by like March or April. Wait a minute. Like oh, okay. By March or April. So you only, so you died for four months. 
Uh, probably five. Probably five. So five months. Yeah. So, so you dropped so I, 20. And the way, I, the way I did it was now we're getting into the diet break section. So when I say diet break, what I mean by that is a period of time where I'm eating at maintenance or a slight surplus. Before you get into the diet, I know we keep pushing the diet break back. That's okay. <laughs> I want to know what the diet was. Like, is there something special about your diet okay. more, so, more so than anybody else? I think the biggest struggle that people have is how do I diet and how do I look good if I don't have a deadline? If I don't have a show to do, if I don't have a, I don't have a wedding, I don't have to go to the beach. I don't have to, you know what I mean? Like just every day, how do I keep myself looking good and not looking like shit? So what, what is the, what was the actual diet you did to start losing the weight? Okay. So I'll take one point first and the next one. So my wife says that I'm kind of an anomaly. I don't require that much. If I just decide I'm going to do something, I just do it. Yeah. And there is no, I just put it in my head that this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I do it. I don't give a fuck if anybody ever finds out, right? Like I'm yeah. just going to do it. Yeah. Um, and she's, she's, she's told me that I'm kind of a alien in that aspect. But uh, so as far as the diet itself, so that's kind of where the app comes in. And, you know, it's funny. I actually enjoyed using the app more than I thought I would because it took, even though I helped design it, yeah. It took the guesswork out of it and took it out of my hands. Okay. So you've used a coach before, I'm sure. Okay. Right? There's no way for me to see it online, is there? Um, if you, let's see here. Um, no, because it's a subscription model. So to pull it up, it'd be difficult. Okay. No big deal. It's okay. If you want to describe it, that's fine. Yeah. So I'll, I'll pull it up and I'll, I'll show you guys real quick. Just put it up to the camera real I quick. just want to know like what I would be. Yeah, I'll like, show you the does, interface. Does it tell me what to eat? Does it tell me like what to... So basically it's, it's going to tell you whenever you, when people sign up, it give it asks you a few questions like what's your goal, you know, fat loss, muscle gain, that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then it's going to ask you some questions, you know, your, your, your weight, your body fat, if you know it, uh, if you don't know it, you can enter your waist measurement. Um, and then kind of a few other things and it kind of asks you like how fast, how quickly you'd like to gain or lose that sort of yeah. thing. We also yeah. have a maintenance option. We also have a reverse dieting option. And then it's going to give you your macros for that, right? Okay. So it's going, to, it's going to look something like that is the diary view, right? Where oh, there we go. Hold that. So, okay. So that's going to tell me that's how many calories I need, the protein, the carbs, the fats. That's, going to, that's when I, okay. Right. So, so then. And then you can log it with our, with our diary and whatnot, but so we does also that, have. Does that come with a food like calorie counter too, or do you have to do? Yeah. All so it's, we've got our own uh, um, kind of food diary. So you. Oh, that's you, awesome. Yeah, so you're yeah. in everything right there. It's super easy. Yeah. And then we also have a, uh, a planner. So if you choose to do lower and higher calorie days, so this is our planner right here. Sure. So you can plan it, right? So for example, let me just show you. So like your, your off days obviously would be like a lower calorie day. Yeah, so like tomorrow's an off day. Thursday is a little bit lower calorie. But if yeah. I wanted to adjust that, um, let's say, let me grab it here. I just grab the slider and I can go in and adjust that. Oh, okay. And it automatically, the days, the other days that are unlocked, it will automatically adjust them. Oh, so your week stays. So your week stays consistent in terms of your calorie surplus. Uh, I see, I see, I see. Very so, interesting. Yeah. So, and the other thing that does for you too is like, let's say you go out and you, you go out with friends one night or whatever, you end up eating a little more than you thought you would. Well, now you can just go into the planner, enter it in, and it'll adjust the other days, right? So, so now that's the, that's kind of the front end of it, but the real value of the app is you check in with the coaching section of the app once per week. 
Okay. Uh, we recommend people like log their weight every day. And if yeah. you log your weight every day, the app will take the average. And the reason I like to use the average um, is because as you know, yeah. daily weight fluctuations are significant, right? Yeah, it can be. Yeah. 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 So when you, but the average is usually going to be pretty steady, right? Sure. So if you take the average, it's usually pretty steady. So yeah. I recommend people log their weight every day in the app and you have the option to do that. And I'll show you the coaching section here. So right now so, my goal is maintenance because I'm on a diet break. Okay. So um, it's very, so it's very um, like if it fits your macros almost. Yeah. So it gives you the macros and whatnot. Now in, in our description, we make recommendations for, you know, we just wrote an article about why it's important to eat satiating food. If you're on a fat loss goal, you know, but, that sort of thing. but like if I, so I sign up to the app and I'm, I'm just trying to figure this out because you might be my new coach without even knowing it. So <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I sign up, no, it's actually just very interesting. I've always thought of somebody should come up with something like this. So it's kind of cool that you have. So if I sign up to the app and I put in my calories, it's telling me how much to eat and everything. And I got the days set up and I have the calorie count, like for all the foods I'm allowed to eat, I can just put in whatever I want. And it will like, as long as it matches the numbers, like yes, for, if, for if for breakfast, I want to have rice instead of oats, or if I want to have yep. whatever it's, as long as it matches the numbers, it will let me yep. add them. You can do that. Yep. Okay. Now so. you, and then you can check your, um, so we have this little, that little letter I right there. Yep. On the inter- so that will show you your micronutrients as well. If you're, you know, if you're worried oh, about cool. getting enough fiber or if you're eating too much saturated fat or yeah. anything like yeah. that, yeah. check it all out there. So I check in with the coach once a week. Once and a week. And who, then is, who, who, who is the coach? Is it just like a random, like the app just kind of does it? It's automated. So it's automated. Okay. It's an entire huge algorithm to that, automate this stuff. That must have taken you forever. Uh, about a year and a half. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then we, we tested that. That was part of the testing too. So, uh, basically, you know, based on, um, how you're progressing, yeah. um, the app will adjust or not adjust your macros to optimize your response. So let's say you're in a lean gaining phase, right? Yeah. And you've set your rate of gain, your targeted rate of gain of like, um, you know, 0.4 pounds per week. Well, again, as you know, weight can fluctuate, but that's why we recommend taking the, the averages. Yeah. Well, it also, it doesn't just look at, you know, this week compared to last week. It also looks at the weeks prior as well to look at what your overall trend is. So it's not just assessing one week, it's assessing uh, multiple weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and we use kind of like a three week rolling average okay. to, make de- to make decisions in the app. Because again, you know, week to week, you can have, you know, fluctuations, even if you're taking the weekly averages away. So basically that app is, you know, if you're gaining weight too fast, it's yeah. going to sense that it's going to knock down your calories a little bit. So it'll tell me, it'll tell me next week, okay, do this instead. Exactly. Yeah. Let oh, me show, let me show you what, a because it, it shows your, your previous updates. Let me just show you. That's pretty awesome, man. I, I think that's really interesting that you've done that. So like, here was my last update and that what it gave me, it said you were compliant looks like things are going to afford to plan. We're not going to make adjustments to your macros. We're compliant. I like that. <laughs> here's, your, here's your stuff, right? Yeah. And then when you check in, we also, we have a compliance range. So, you know, because you never hit it perfectly. On yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Your compliance range, it shows you that range. And then it also shows you what you tracked. And then, you know, whether or not it's in that range. But, you yeah. know, not some people don't use our tracker. They still use MyFitnessPal or something like that to track. Sure. Um, so we, we allow that. Um, but we show what you logged in the app. So yeah. if you look everything in the app, it'll show you whether or not you're within your compliance range. Okay. Um, does somebody, does, is there, let me ask you this. What if, 
does it matter on the in the diet? What if I want to do a keto diet? Can I use that app or do yep, you, you can, so, yeah, let me show you? So in our So you don't so you don't have a specific system for your no. app. It's like whatever you want to do as long as So like I'll our, show you I'll show you real quick. This is where it's easy. So you see that diet preferences setting right there? Yeah. So I'll just click that. And now let me see. So at the top it says diet type and I have balanced. Yeah. So you go in there and now you have all your options. Ketogenic, oh, shit. plant-based. I can't, all it's still stuff. not focused, but I, I get what you're, I get what it Bal- shows. We got yeah. balanced, reduced carb, yeah. low fat, plant-based and ketogenic. So how does it work then? Is it basically just based on your, the ca- overall calorie intake? Overall calorie intake, getting enough protein and then kind of distributing your carbs. Cause based on the research literature, it's mostly down to calories and protein. And then you can kind of distribute your carbs and fats, however you like Now I will say the research does suggest that um, keto is probably not optimal for gaining lean body mass, yeah. that it seems to have a little bit of a limiting effect on gaining lean body mass. Um, so there is that, but you can kind of, because the way we, we look at things is most people don't not reach their goals because they didn't have the perfect ratio of macros or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. They don't reach their goals because they're not compliant. Sure. So we want to set it up so that we give them some guidance of what they should do for, for optimal physiological results, but also leave it flexible enough that they can tailor it to their lifestyle, right? Okay. So for example, even though I'm on balance, let's say I go into my diet type. So I pull up my, my diet preferences. This is where I'm at with balanced. Yeah. I can also adjust my ratio to carbohydrate to fat. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> within a certain range. Now, because yeah, I'm yeah. balanced, I can't yeah. go lower than a certain amount. Yeah you know, compared to the other, I can also adjust my protein within a certain range. Yeah. So, I like that. Yeah. So it, it, it just makes it so that, um, you know, you're, you're, you have maximum flexibility. So, so this is our last question I have with the app. Cause I'm sure people are going to think it's an infomercial at this point, even though I swear <laughs> to God, I promise you guys, I, had, I <laughs> didn't, didn't know, pay for this. I didn't even know he, free. <laughs> I didn't even know he had an app. I just saw the carbon, the carbon diet coach thing today. And I'm like, oh, I could ask him about that. I had no idea. So anyway, uh, I just I have one more question. How much does it cost? Because I'm, uh, I'm actually curious. It seems kind of cool. Yeah, so um, it is $9.99 per month um, that you stay nothing. subscribed. Nothing. Yeah, I mean, 10 times less than you, 10, 20 times less than you No, but like, seriously, you're going to put a lot of coaches out of business because I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I'm not no, even going to air this. This is going to kill my business. Yeah, no. I, 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 you know, I think especially with regards to, we do eventually want to have a contest prep feature on there that will, it will kind of do that. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, there's always going to be a place for having another human being yeah. to, to, and we have coaches that work for us, right? Sure. Because we still have that middle model. Some people, this is going to be enough. Some people need that further level of support, right? Like, sure. So there's always going to be a place for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the way I look at it also is I don't think we're putting that many coaches out of uh, like would hurt them because this is a totally different price point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You're not grabbing the same person that you're going to grab. Who's ready to spend $200 a month on a, on a nutrition coach. Right. Yeah. yeah. So um, we, we, um, yeah. So uh, the cost is nine ninety nine per month. Or if you buy, um, if you buy six months up front, it's forty nine ninety nine, which okay. knocks it down. And then if you buy a year up front, it's seventy nine ninety nine. So, so it this goes, as, it could be as low as like under seven bucks a month if you buy the year. Well, this goes back to our original conversation about passive income. 
The <laughs> I still got to promote yeah, it. I okay, still got to okay. promote it. So okay. it's not passive. Not completely, not completely passive. No, close. But close. it's scalable because, I, yeah. you know, that's, I mean, that's part of it. You know, I coached bodybuilding for a long time. No, of course, yeah. Pretty successful at it. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I got to a point where I had, you know, 100 clients and that's all I did. I don't, like, I don't, I don't believe anything. Else. Going back to that, or, or that conversation, I don't believe that anything is 100% passive. Right. Yeah. Like you have to invest some time in everything, but sure. eventually it will become passive. That's kind of where, yeah. where I, th- anyway. Sure. Um, okay. So now we can get into diet breaks. So I see that yeah. you're doing a diet and then you have a diet break. Explain to me and everybody else what a diet break is and why you do it. Great. So that I'm actually on one right now. So that's perfect. Okay. Um, so um, the, the diet break kind of comes up. There've been coaches who've been doing this. I know uh, Eric Helms was a big um, proponent of this even before this research came out. But um, so there was a study that came out of um, the university of Tasmania, actually, which is where my, my wife is from um, that was called the Matador study. Okay. And what's really interesting about this study was they took obese men. I know all the bodybuilders are like, Oh, this doesn't matter, but just everybody chill out. <laughs> Um, so they, they took those men and they had them either diet for 16 weeks straight at a a certain calorie deficit or they had them diet for two weeks, then eat two weeks at maintenance, then two weeks, then two weeks at maintenance. Now they matched the deficit weeks, meaning the people who did the, the diet breaks were on that program, a total of 30 weeks right? Okay. Because they, they started with a two week diet. They, they did the same amount of deficit weeks, but the same amount of deficit weeks, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's a lot longer process. A lot longer. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and they looked at, um, uh, so here's where, where this becomes, why this study is so uh, well regarded. They provided all the food to the participants. Okay. So it was not, you know, they couldn't pick and choose whatever they wanted. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, when it's free living, it gets very messy. Um, so, you know, it's not, it's not quite like, you know, an inpatient sort of thing, Yeah, yeah. but it's the next best thing. Sure. So not only did they follow them during the diet phase, they actually followed them for six months after as well. So the kind of the main findings were, um, the diet break group lost more total fat mass than the, than the, the, the group that died straight through. They had better fat loss efficiency, meaning they lost more fat per, uh, per unit of calorie deficit, I suppose you, you look at, um, they had less metabolic adaptation, meaning their, their, uh, basal metabolic rate slowed less than the, than the group. Then they lost less lean body mass. Um, and they regained less fat mass after they, after they kind of let them go back to doing whatever. They probably weren't as as starving or as hungry. Yeah. Or, or it could be the fact that their, you know, their BMR was still higher, so they were, you know, putting it back on or a yeah. combination of, of those sorts yeah, of things. Yeah, so, yeah. And there is some uh, evidence that we have these, what's called uh, protein stats. Okay. So what's called a protein stat uh, theory of obesity, basically meaning that when you diet, you lose lean body mass and that in order that you sort of overeat coming out of a diet until you get back to that level of lean body yeah. mass. Yeah. Um, I don't think that com- it completely explains obesity, but I, I think that there is something to that. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they lost less lean body mass means they had less to, to get back to. Okay. So question for you though. Okay. So let's say they added the deficit week. So it's a 30 week diet, right? Right. Could I do all of those things if I just did the 16 week diet, but 
was in a less of a deficit. So it took 30 weeks. So th- that's what we don't know, right? Like yeah. that's, that's a little bit, that's a little bit tough. Because I wondered to myself, is it the duration of time in the patients or is it sure. the fact that they went up and down? It's a great question. Yeah. We, we don't know the answer to it, but okay. what I will say is even if there's no physiological superiority to it, I actually really like yeah. the, the here, here's, here's why I, I, I would compare it to. So doing diet breaks, like I'm talking, and what I usually do is I do like, I don't do two and two. So I was going to say, yeah, I'll do um, like usually my favorite is two weeks diet, one week break. Yeah. I really like that. I that, was going to say that makes more sense. Yeah. I, I like that. I, I feel like, you know, two weeks isn't that hard. Um, and I still like with the calorie planner, I'll program in like my weekends so that they're higher calories. So I get a little bit of a, you know, a, for some people like to eat the same thing every day. Yeah. I like to have some days where I can kind of look forward to having higher calories. I don't mind eating a little bit less during the week to get those. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Um, so, um, so I can do two weeks, no problem. I, I, so I'll do like two or three weeks and then like a one or two week diet break typically. Okay. Um, so, uh, what I allude this to is like doing, so the slow kind of like you said, like, okay, well, what if you just did the same sort of thing, but just spread it out over 30 weeks Yeah. running a marathon versus, um, sprinting, taking a break, sprinting again. I knew where you, I knew you were going to go there. Again. <laughs> so there's no, maybe the whole work output is going to be the same yeah. right, for the, for the race. It just depends. Now, some people might prefer running the marathon, right? They might just prefer to do that. Yeah. Me personally, I'd like to sprint and then know I get a break, right? Yeah. I mean, basically it comes down to preference. And I think most or majority of people would agree that, I mean, just the idea of two weeks on one week off seems easier. It just seems like it makes more sense. Well, and keep in mind too, like when you're trying to do a really conservative deficit, like sometimes that means that like it can be discouraging because the way the scale doesn't move. You, know? you don't get that gratification to keep you focused. Right. Whereas if yeah. you go like for me, like the, the weeks I've been doing it, I'm like, all right, I'm going in, you know, eight, 900 calorie deficit. Boom. Yeah. You know, pound, two pounds comes off like that. Right. Yeah. You get yeah. that nice gratification, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. But just as you're starting to get to that phase, we're like, okay, I'm starting to feel a little bit tired, whatever. Boom. Diet break. Right. And now you, you get back some of that, you know, and the great thing about diet breaks is you can time it around your life. Right. Yeah. So what do you ever get people who want to do the diet break, but end up going too far? Cause I feel like absolutely my level of focus, I'm an on or off person. There's no gray area for me. So I'm like, if I'm on cool, this is my on week. But if I'm off, I'm like, well, fuck maintenance. I'm going way past maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so that is the, that is the hard part. And that's where the, the knowing your own psychology kind of comes in. Right. Because yeah. there are people who are like that. Um, so my, my wife is actually like that. My wife I let, see, I, I kind of do the same thing, but on a much shorter, shorter scale. Like it's like you said, like I like to look forward to the weekends so you can make me suffer Sunday through Friday. I want my Saturday. I want my Saturday off, but I can flip the switch right back on Sunday morning. Yeah. Whereas if you gave me a whole week, I, it's tougher. It's different. You know what I mean? Like if I'm, yeah, if I'm dieting hard for two weeks and then you're like, Hey, take a week off. I'm like, yeah. And so that's the, that's the tough thing is, I, you know, we don't do it with everybody. It has so to gotta, be the right gotta, person. Gotta, yeah. Like this is, and I, and I tell everybody like, listen, everything is tools in the tool belt and you got to know which tool works for you. Right. That's right. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, if a diet break may be great physiologically, but if it causes you to just like go into fuck it mode, it's not going to be right for you. 
right? So I think that that's a big part of it is just, you know, know thyself, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, apply the appropriate tool when it makes sense for you. So for some people, this tool has been an absolute game changer. Like uh, I've, um, I don't know if you know a guy named Ethan Suplee. He's an actor out in Hollywood who's recently, he's lost a lot of weight. So he was, um, did you ever see the movie Remember the Titans? Yes. So you know the Louis, the center? The, what's that? The center? Was yes. Sent- yeah, yeah, I know you're talking about. Really yeah. fat guy? Yeah. He's now like buff. I saw his transformation. Yeah, he's like, Yes, okay. Yeah, so yeah. So he actually he actually uh, endorsed our app. He said he okay. loved our app, which is That's cool. awesome. Yeah. Um, he's he's followed me and some other evidence-based guys uh, like Mike Israel and them. Um and he said diet breaks were a total game changer for him. Okay. Like it just he's like the idea that I didn't have to always diet. Yeah. You know, that I that I could take a break yeah. and not just put it back on. Right. Um, And so that's like with me, what I, what I did, when I set up, I'm like, okay, I'm starting in November of last year. Right. Like, okay, well, I know my birthday is December 15th and me and my wife are going on vacation to Napa Valley the next week. And there was also Christmas. So I'm like, all right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go three weeks. Then I'm going to take a two week diet break. Right. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Then I got into January. I took, I did, um, I did two weeks of diet again. And then I took a one-week diet break because there's what's called Gasparilla in Tampa, which is basically like our Mardi Gras, essentially. Okay. okay. Um, then dieted again for three weeks hard. We were going over to Australia to visit her family for two weeks. So I sure. did three weeks hard again, two-week diet break while in Australia. And then, you know, kept doing, you know, then did that. And by the time we got to where COVID was hitting, um, I was pretty much at that 210 mark. Yeah. And I just, I, when I hit that, I was like, okay, let's just hold steady for now and see what's going to happen because I didn't want to keep going too much further, even though I wanted to get to 205 for, yeah. for powerlifting. Yeah. It was like, well, we don't know what's going to happen with meats and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So then once the, the meat started coming back up, I started, you know, getting, going down again mm-hmm. and uh, hit 205, I think in June. Okay. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. I'd set out a meet and then they canceled nationals. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to do a, a small local meet if I can't do nationals. Yeah. So at that point, I'm like, all right, well, I'm just going to chill like 207-ish, 208, 209, 210. Like I oscillated between, you know, 207 to 210. Yeah. And um, we were on the way home from California. We went on vacation in September out to Laguna Beach. Mm -hmm. And my marketing director was like, Lane, you know, we really need new photos of you because all the photos we keep using are like five to 10 years old. (laughs) And and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, you're right. I probably ought to, I'm like, I'm close enough to being pretty lean. I might as well do a photo shoot or something. But I'm thinking, all right, well. We got Thanksgiving coming up, got Christmas coming up. I don't want to die through the holidays, you know, all that kind of stuff. Because yeah. I'm a human being after all. Yeah. I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'll do it the week before um, the week before uh, Thanksgiving. Because we're going to go up to visit my parents in Indiana. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, fuck, that's nine weeks away. <laughs> no. yeah. So I, I set up this uh, whole, I'm like, all right, well, let's do this thing. And we'll set up like a whole promotion around it. So we call it Shred with Lane. You know? oh, I see. Yeah. And uh, I do a weekly update. Uh, we did like, we put all my, like my training programs are up on our website. Um, yeah. You know, and our, our workout builder is pretty cool too, because it's, it's kind of like the same thing as the nutrition, but for workouts yeah. on the website, yeah. uh, because it's like, we give you the sets, the reps and the intensity in terms of uh, RPE yeah. Yeah. or RIR. Uh, but we categorize each exercise. So for example, okay. you go in and you've got a, um, a leg press lifted, 
listed as the default, you don't have to do a leg press. You could do a hack squat or you could do a squat machine. Oh, so as long as it fits into the compound. As long as it fits into that category that we've categorized, you can do it. And that, I think that really helps people because there's enough structure, but then they can choose the exercises they like that are effective. Or if they don't have access to something, they can, they can, they can switch it up. Right. Yeah. So we put all that programming on for the shred with lane. And what's cool is uh, each, so I've done two calorie deficit phases so far. The first one was two weeks. I took a one week diet break and then I did uh, three weeks and and I'm on my second one week diet break. And then I've got two more weeks until the the shoot after this diet breaks over. Okay. And um, the first one I targeted uh, like two pounds of weight loss in the two, in the per week in the first two weeks, I lost exactly that amount of weight. That's pretty cool. And then, um, and then I did the diet break. I gained a little bit over the diet break, just a little bit, but you know, water, maybe just a tiny bit of body fat. I think the app overestimated me just a little bit on my calories, but I targeted, uh, um, my target was 5.3 pounds of fat loss in total over the three weeks. And it hit it exactly again, like exactly. That's great, man. Which is pretty freaking. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what's cool is when you, when you add your weight that where you finally hit your, your target, yeah. it like throws up like confetti and like <laughs> gives you a celebration <laughs> in the coaching portion. That's so it's kind of cool. You get that pat on the we back. You actually want to kind of gamify it and give people like badges and stuff. Like yeah. that's in the future. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, um, but yeah, so now we're, I'm in that last uh, diet break. I've been maintaining really well. Uh, and then my plan is to do a really aggressive uh, two weeks. I think I'll get right around 200 pounds. I'm like, I'm anywhere from like 202 to 203 right now. And I think yeah. I'll end up like just under 200. And I should be, I should be pretty lean. Ready. That, that yeah, way. that's pretty cool. Um, I want to ask you about, there's a question I had about metabolic adaptation and homeostasis. And we touched on it a little bit earlier. Yeah. Uh, and I won't keep you too long because we've been on for a little while, but I want no, to talk about this stuff. I had two more questions. So one was about this and I think it kind of lends itself to the off season conversation we were having and about how, cause some guys will message me and be like, I don't know how you're eating 5,000 calories and you're not getting fat. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I didn't get to five. I didn't start my off season at 5,000 calories. Right. right? That's right. So and I try and explain to him and I'm like, maybe I can take a scientific approach or maybe you can take a little bit of a scientific approach and explaining why if I start my off season at 3,500 calories, I can increase slowly and get to 5,000. My body can handle that food, yeah. which, which, in the, and for people who are watching, the reason we do that is so that when I diet, I can start my diet at 5,000 calories and strip from there right. instead of starting my diet at 3,500 calories and stripping from that point. So maybe you can kind of touch on how this, this escalation and and works. Yeah. So this is an area of research that is really lacking. Um, So we know a lot about calorie calorie deficits. We don't know a lot about calorie surpluses. I think there's only like, I want to say like 30 controlled feeding studies, like metabolic ward studies of overfeeding, really looking at this stuff. I think it's because a lot of people don't want to gain weight. That's it. It's just, there's just more uh, interest in weight loss. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's like, well, who gives it? Which I actually think the secrets to weight loss are in examining weight gain personally. Well, but, it, um, it, it makes sense. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So when we look at that, what we do see is we do see a, um, there's a couple of things. We see a disproportionate increase in energy expenditure compared to the amount of energy you take in. Right. Okay. So um, 
based on the amount of lean body mass and fat mass you add, you do end up expending more energy than you would predict by those two things. So the same way it, it happens on the way down, it also goes in the opposite way on the way up. Um, the other thing is too, is we always think about like maintenance calories as kind of like this, this set point, right? Yeah. Like, okay, my maintenance is 3,400, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, try eating 3,300 calories and let me know if you lose weight. <laughs> I don't think you will. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, and because people have tried this, right? Yeah. Or they, you know, I'm just going to do a super slow cut or whatever. So I've kind of come up with this hypothesis that there's maintenance calories as a range. Yeah. I think probably about 10 to 20% of your, you know, your maintenance calories. So if your maintenance calories is, you know, 3000, you know, you could probably go 2,700 before you start to really lose weight or 3,300 yeah. before you really start to gain weight. Yeah. Now, when you're, when you're coming up slowly, like you're increasing those calories slowly, you're kind of pushing on that upper end of that range. Yeah. And I mean, I've seen people who have been able to increase their calories enormously and not gain really much weight, you know, yeah. going slow. Yeah. Um, and I've also seen people who have kind of linearly gained and it, it seems to be very individually dependent. And yeah. part of that is probably due to something called non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is uh, NEAT, yeah. which is extremely modifiable and extremely variable from person to person and actually a very large portion of our daily energy expenditure. So NEAT, you have to think about is like non, small, non-purposeful movements throughout the day. Yeah. So like me moving my hands around, uh, posture, subconscious, like fidgeting, all that kind of yeah. stuff. That yeah. can account for up to like 500 calories per day of energy expenditure. And we see big increases during overfeeding in meat. And so there was one really cool study that highlights how different this can be from person to person. Um, they overfed people in a metabolic ward by a thousand calories over their, over their maintenance. Okay. Um, most people gained, you know, like, I think it was like the average was like two kilos over like a, like a eight week period or something okay. like that, two or three kilos. Right. Yeah. Uh, which is, is less than you'd expect, right? Like you're overfeeding yeah. by a thousand calories. You'd expect, okay, well, they're just going to go, you know, yeah. literally up, but that's not what happens. Um, the, the person who gained the most, I want to say gained like seven kilos, like almost more than expected. There was one person who didn't gain anything. Wow. Overfeeding by a thousand calories. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And what they found was their non-exercise activity thermogenesis went up by like seven, 800 calories a day. Uh -huh. They just spontaneously started moving more. Yeah. Now there are people out there who go, I'm going to go for a walk and get my neat in. No, 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 no. That's, that's not neat. That's exercise. Like that's yeah. purposeful movement. That's different, right? Yeah. You don't yeah. control neat, but I'll tell people, I'm like, go talk to a bodybuilder before stage, like the week before stage though. Usually they're really quiet. They don't want to talk much. They don't want to move much. They just, if they're not exercising, they just kind of sit there, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. Because you're so fucking tired that even forming words, I tell, I used to tell people I blink slower yeah. when I'm that, when I'm that, when yeah. I'm that lean, right? Yeah. yeah. That's all energy expenditure. All that stuff adds up. Mm -hmm. So again, like that's, that's very variable from person to person. But as you know, when you're on that journey from 3,500 calories to 5,000 calories, what will happen is you'll probably go a few weeks where you don't really gain any weight yeah. and all of a sudden, boom, you, you bump up to three pounds, yep. right? Yep. And then it kind of plateaus. It's like a staircase. Yeah. And it yeah. kind of plateaus because your energy expenditure goes up to, to compensate for that. 
plateaus, and then boom, goes up again at a certain point, right? And so that's why I think there's might be this maintenance calorie range where, you know, you're kind of not gaining much or any weight until you kind of somehow trip that threshold, get outside of it for a little bit, and then boom, goes up by a yeah. little bit, right? Yeah. Capture that energy. Um, but yeah, when you get to 5,000 calories, well, now what you have to realize, that person has to realize that asks you this is, one, like you said, you didn't go straight from 3,500 to 5,000. No. If you did, you would have gained quite a bit of body fat. Yeah. Um, you did that over the course of time. And now your energy expenditure is matched to that 5,000 calories, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's, that's all part of our body's survival mechanisms. And it's the reason that, like, I mean, think about it. If, we, if our bodies didn't metabolically adapt, I mean, you could starve yourself to death on a 200 calorie deficit, right? Because eventually yeah. you, just, you just die. <laughs> how, do you, how do you know when to, for guys out there trying to bulk and, and not get fat, um, how do you know when to make that increase? Like what, what's the signal I'm looking for before I go, you know what, I'm ready to go from 35 to 37. Yeah. So that was one of the major reasons in, in carbon diet coach that we decided to use a rolling three week average of weights. Okay. Because if you just look at week to week, what, what'll happen is, you know, okay. Like, especially on a bulk, I think a bulk, it's even worse. Yeah. Um, so you'll, you'll have nothing, nothing, boom, go up by two pounds. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, your target could be like a half pound a week. Right. So if you're just focusing on that one week, you go, oh my God, well, they're eating by, you know, overeating by 500 calories or whatever, yeah. more yeah. over what they need. But they're not because the week before they didn't, they didn't gain anything. Right. That's right. That's right. Um, so that's kind of why we use those, those, those three week averages. And that's why, one, I tell people, weigh yourself daily and take the average. Okay. I, I really think that if, even if you're not going to use the app, if you take an average, it's just going to give you a much better idea of what your body's actually doing. Yeah. Because weight is, I always say, it's like the stock market. It goes up and it goes down all the time, right? But over the course of, you know, over the course of time, the stock market goes up, right? There's a trend, yeah. Any 10-year period in the stock market's history, it's, it's made money. Yeah. So we know it's going to go up, but if you get focused I, I, I like to use financial comparisons because I feel like it's intuitive for people. I noticed that. Um, if, you, if you get focused on like on the fact that it went down yesterday and you sold a bunch of stock because it went down, well, now you're buying, you know, high, selling low, you're, you're going to mess up. Well, yeah. that's, that's people with dieting. They have a bad weigh in and they go, oh, fuck, this thing's not working. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, you just weighed in on a, on a bad day. You know, you had a fluctuation or whatever. Like today, I had been maintaining, you know, 202 pretty consistently. And today I woke up, I was 204. Yeah. So does that, does that mean I overate by, you know, 2000 calories yesterday? Yeah. No, <laughs> it means for whatever reason, I'm, I'm retaining a little bit more water today, maybe a little more glycogen, who knows? Um, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just yeah. going to take the average. And if my average is up, then I'll, then I'll worry about it. Right. So does that um, mean, so does that mean for that guy in the off season, does that mean, it's just three weeks. So he does like first week, second week, third week of all three weeks. He's like, I haven't gained a pound. Yeah. So I, I think it's okay to, to go week to week and making some adjustments, um, especially when you're early in it. Right. So if like, for example, a week, you're one week into your bulk and you've lost two pounds. Yeah. Okay. Well, you yeah. probably need to increase your calories. Right. Yeah, Of course. Yeah. But don't go crazy. Like, don't be like, okay, well that's like a thousand calories. So I'm just going to throw it. That. No, no, no. <laughs> go up a couple hundred. Yeah. See what happens. Yeah. 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 And, and, and then if you don't gain anything, go up a couple hundred more, see yeah. what happens. Yeah. And eventually you will hit that threshold where you start going up. 
right? And it'll probably be more than you expect it to. So what you want to do is when you're assessing how your bulk is going, look at it over the course of, you know, the the month, right? So the same, same thing with my fat loss. So people have got, you know, you look at, okay, well, I lost, uh, you know, five and a half pounds in three weeks. That's pretty aggressive. Eh, look at it over the course of, of, the period of time where I have those two diet breaks in there too. Right. Yeah. Now yeah. it's more like a pound a week. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I'm looking at the overall course of time. So same thing as in my bulk, right. I, I gained about a half pound a week over the course of that time period, but there was probably very few weeks where I actually gained half a pound. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It was nothing, 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 two pounds. Yeah, nothing, exactly. nothing, yeah. nothing, three pounds. Right. Okay. So that's, I think that's why it's important to really like, okay, take a step back. And I mean, I mean, bodybuilders are like this, right? We're emotional beings. So we get caught up in like, fuck, I lost some weight this week. Uh, I, I, I just, okay. Um, and that's where the McDonald's comes in. Right. Like everybody's <laughs> yeah. like, well, fuck it. You know, fuck yeah. this scale, fuck yeah. this weight. I'm, yeah. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to get this thing to move. Give me two big Macs, you yeah. know? So <laughs> it's, it's, I think part of it, is being patient. And I think, um, I tell people, I'm like, if you think fat loss is hard, muscle gain is way harder. Muscle gain requires way more patience than fat loss. So I'm going to say then for the kid out there listening, if it, if there is anybody listening, um, I was going to, I would say, yeah, I would say that, um, if you, let's say you started your bulk and you gained a few pounds and then you hit that cause you said it was like a staircase, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So you get that increase and then you hit that parallel or that plateau, I would wait for the increase, but how long would I wait for that increase before I decide to, you know what I mean? Like I'm yeah, just trying I'd to wait a week. I I'd do, you know, wait a week, see what happens. Only a week though. Because I'm thinking like if I was 235 and like the first week went by or second week went by now I'm 237. Right. And then I hit a plateau and I'm 237 for a week, two weeks, three weeks. How yeah, long do I stay at 237? So if, you've been gaining, if you've been gaining pretty steadily and then hit a plateau, I yeah. might wait for an extra week, you know? Yeah. Like okay. Okay. So that's, okay. that's, I think that's, I think that's reasonable advice. And at the end of the day, it, it just depends. Like what's, what's the priority? Are you, are you, you know, are you saying I, I want to gain as minimal fat as possible? Well, then maybe you're a lot more conservative with how often you add calories. Right. But it's, but if you're somebody who's like, I want to gain as much muscle as possible in this short period of time, well, then maybe you're a little more aggressive and you're not going to wait as long. Okay. But see, this is, this is a problem I've always had is I feel like if you, jump too quick. Let's say you don't care about fat, about the amount of fat you're carrying, okay. right? Yep. If you jump too quick, do you, and this could, this is totally bro science. So just bear with me. Okay. But do you, I feel like there's a period of like calorie saturation or carb saturation where like, I'm not, I'm just getting fatter. I'm not getting better. You know what I mean? Like when I make those increments, if I make them in a timely manner, even if sometimes I get a little fatter than others, I'm, I feel like I'm gaining muscle, mm-hmm. but if I feel like I add too many calories too quickly, I just start I getting fat important. and then I feel like I'm not getting better. I'm just getting fatter. Yeah. I, I think it's important to, to keep, like I said, even if you've lost a couple pounds in a week, right. On yeah. average, yeah. I think it's important not to go, okay, let's add a thousand calories. I think it's important to go, okay, let's just, let's bump it up a little bit. Let's see what happens. You know, okay. then if the next week, you know, if you're truly, you know, cause if you lost two pounds, then you're actually in a deficit, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. now if that meaning, if it's not just a water fluctuation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So if the next week, if you've only added a couple hundred calories, you should keep losing weight. 
Well, what usually happens is you don't, or you, you, you gain some of it back. Right. So I would agree with you, be patient, like just add those calories incrementally, you know, because eventually like, okay, you might not feel like you're getting a, 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 you know, anywhere because you're only adding like hundred calories a week or, or whatever it is. And you're not really gaining weight. But if you do that over the course of two months, you're, you've added 800 calories to your diet, yeah, yeah, you know, like it's yeah. quite a bit. So, so I, yeah, just, just take the time. I wanted to touch on uh, homeostasis. So meaning, yep. um, you know, people talk about where their body feels most comfortable weight wise. And for let's, I'll take my brother, for example, right. He's like, my body feels comfortable at 210 but he looks lean at like 190. Right. How does somebody go to, can you change your set point, like your body's homeostasis, like the point where it feels the most comfortable? Can you change that and can you change it permanently? Great question. Another area that's very under-researched. Um, one, because it's really hard to find people who have lost significant weight and kept it off for a and long period of time. Yeah. Um, there is some evidence that if you, uh, maintain a weight reduced state for over a year or two that okay. it can practically become new maintenance. Okay. Now, interestingly, there was a study done by uh, a guy named Kevin Hall, who's a researcher at the NIH and he does a lot of really great metabolic ward studies. So he actually studied the participants on the biggest loser. Okay. And um, he actually found that the metabolic adaptations were still present uh, five years after they had lost the initial weight. And what's crazy is they had actually put back on quite a bit of weight as well. Um, That's still now that that being said, that study kind of stands alone uh, with regards to that, but it was very fascinating. Um, We do know from some quite a few anecdotes as well as there is some, a little bit of literature suggesting that if you do maintain it for a long period of time, it can become your, your new normal. Now we know leptin is kind of your body's body fat thermostat, right? Like if you, if you, if you, if you drop too low, leptin drops, your adipose secretes less leptin, it drops, signals to your hypothalamus to make you hungry, lowers your energy expenditure, makes you more prone to regain weight. Yeah. If you get too high, leptin goes up, um, increases your energy expenditure, um, and decreases your hunger, that sort of thing. There's also, we, act, we actually think on the, if I want to be complete in my thoughts, um, we think that leptin is much more regulatory on the way down and okay. actually um, on, in terms of limiting fat gain, because you know, there, you've probably noticed this, that, you know, at a certain point it actually gets hard to put on weight, right? Like it becomes yeah. like a job, right? Yeah, definitely. hundred um, yeah. percent. So we, we actually think that there's a, um, a yet unidentified um, what we call adipose tick, what researchers call adipose tissue catabolic factor. So meaning, okay. They're pretty, it's like dark matter. They know it exists, but they haven't found it yet. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's, that's, there's a lot of evidence that, like, that your, um, your body secretes something that actually increases your energy expenditure as fat cells expand to keep you from getting too fat. So how do people, um, if that's true, how do people get to like 500 pounds though? Yeah, so, so great question. So um, there's a guy named John Speakman, who's a, a researcher who he proposed what I think is the best hypothesis of that. And that is um, the regulations on your body losing body fat are tighter than they are on you gaining body fat. Oh, I see. And from an evolutionary perspective, it makes sense because let's think about like, okay, what are the, what are the relative risks of getting too, too, too lean or too fat? Well, too lean, you die, right? That's the risk. 
too fat, a predator can come get you, right? So the yeah. risk is, is basically predation or you, you're going to be difficult to hunt food down, right? Sure. Well, predation really hasn't been a risk for 10,000 years, ever yeah. since we learned how to use tools, right? Yeah. yeah. But the risk of starvation has still been very real. It still is real in some parts of the world, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, is, was real 100 years ago in, the, in, in even developed countries, right? So those genes that regulate that are still likely to be, quote unquote, more turned on yeah. than the genes that are trying to prevent us from becoming too fat so that we don't get uh, eaten by a predator. Makes right? sense. Makes sense. So yeah. That's kind of what he proposed. Yeah. And I, 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 I'm not sure if that's true, but it, it seems to make sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So there, there, there's, there's, there's regulatories on, on both ends. Um, now, getting back to your specific question about, you know, can you reset that? It does appear so, because if you look at people who gain quite a bit of body fat, they weren't obese. You know, most, a lot of them weren't obese during childhood or even well, adolescence. Let me, let me just interrupt for one second. I know going forward or, or, or gaining, you can change yourself. I already know, like, I don't know why I know that. I just know that I can, you can see people gain fat and then hold that right. and, and get comfortable at that, ex, that, sure. new, that new weight. I've never seen it in reverse where somebody has gone from like, 240 to 200 pounds and they're now seven eight percent body fat and they're just that's it that's where they're comfortable and that's where their body stayed right so i think that's more where the question comes from is on the loss side and not the gain yeah so there is evidence that you can do on the loss side too it's just really really difficult um so i gotta stay lean for two years or one or two years you said yeah well and there's probably limits to that right like so if we're talking about like contest not that, not that, not that, not that. But there's people who try to maintain that. I mean, no, I, I especially can't. a lot of females try to maintain that. Um, yeah. And what I tell people is, I'm like, if you meet any competitor at that level of leanness, they're all neurotic. Oh yeah. It's, it's not. A, it's not a. It's not an in, in, uh, indictment of them as a person, but yeah. that's just what happens to your your body's physiology and your brain chemistry. When you are that lean, you are completely food focused. That's yep. all you think about. Yep. Um, you have no sex drive whatsoever, yep. you know, for the most part. Yep. Um, and there's just all kinds of like weird brain chemistry. And you're actually they, like, they, there was um, a mood disturbance test they did on a case study of a bodybuilder. I knew the bodybuilder who did it. I actually coached him. Yeah. Um, and he's like the, the nicest, you know, just laid back, low key guy. And his score was like basically close to what like a psychopath would get <laughs> by the end of his contest prep. I believe it. So, I, believe it. so the, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's just a, it's just a, you know, you're never going to be able to maintain that. That's just not. But I don't, but I don't think that, I mean, look, that's yeah. not even, that is, that's not but you're even, talking about just like a lean physique. Yeah. yeah I think not, that's possible. I think that's possible. And I will tell okay. you that the weight I'm at now, the body fat I'm at now, like right now, completely maintainable for me. So if you stayed there for a year, that's where your body. Right now, I right now I feel good. Right now, and, I and when I say, but when I say set point, I mean like, like the the guy who's overweight, who's two hundred and thirty pounds, and he's twenty percent body fat. That guy can eat anything he wants, and he still like stays at that weight. He doesn't get fatter unless he really, really, really pushes right. the food, right? Yeah. But that's kind of what I mean by the set point. So if you're two weight and you're comfortable there can you go eat a bag of chips? Can you go have McDonald's? Can you, and then you're still, even if it's a surplus, right. But you're still not going to gain a weight unless you really, really you definitely got, it. you definitely got more of a buffering zone, right? Like yeah. as you push it lower, 
your buffering zone becomes tighter, right? right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, if I like, if I just said, yeah, yeah I'm just going to have a week to do whatever. Uh, yeah, you're going to see it. Yeah, you, you, you might see it. So in that aspect, your body's probably not going to defend that set point as closely as it would your natural set point. But from the perspective of, are you going to have constant nagging hunger and low energy? I think you can get to the point where you don't have that. But you just, that's what you just, you just said it. When you said natural set point, that's what I'm talking about changing. Yeah. That kind of comfort. I want to know that I can, you know, okay, I'll just put it this way. You know, some guys like my brother-in-law, they're just naturally lean. Yeah. He's like this skinny little white guy with abs and he's like shredded all the time. I mean, he's not huge. He's only like, you know, whatever, but I, I want to be like that. You know, he'll go get, McDon- <laughs> he'll go get McDonald's He'll sit there and pig out or eat whatever big bowl of pasta, whatever. And he'll wake up the next day and he'll still be shredded and still have a six pack and still the whole, and well, I'm like, thing you got to remember too, is like a lot of, a lot of those people who we see that we also don't see their other meals of the day. So a lot of those people don't have a lot of hunger, right? Yeah, yeah, and they yeah. might only eat one or two times a day. Yeah. And then you actually go do their calorie recall. It actually wasn't even as high as you thought it was, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's part of it. Like we're bodybuilders, we're conditioned. Like, okay, well, it's been about thirty minutes. Time to go eat another meal. You know what I mean? So- you know, though, you know what's crazy though. I thought to my, I thought that to myself. Like uh, after my tricep tear last year, I thought, you know what? I'm just not going to eat. I'm just not going to eat a lot. I'm not hungry. I was. It was a. We know you go through those phases where you're not hungry. Sure. I'm like, I'm just not going to eat. I'm going to see what happens because I thought I would just turn into that like skinny shredded white guy. <laughs> and all of a sudden, and I just got soft. It's yeah. like I. It's like my body deflated the muscle first, and I still well, was. Car- you know what I mean? But, yeah, but keep in mind too, like what your body's physiology is set up for. You have so much more muscle mass than what is what is uh, typical that it makes sense that your body would pull from quite a bit, uh, of that, especially because were you were you still training other body parts or did you just kind of just yeah, keep- but not. I wasn't training as hard, and I was kind of like yeah, it was like know- an off period. Yeah, you know, you know the difference between flipping the switch, training, yeah. and 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 yeah. just kind of showing up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I think that probably had quite a bit to to do with it. You know, makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just it's it's one of those things when it comes to set points, we don't know a ton about them. Um, I do think it is like, you know, I don't want to be fatalistic for people that are out there, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you have to lose like quite a bit of weight, I mean, again, look at like a guy named Ethan Suplee. Yeah. Ethan Suplee, a guy like Ethan Suplee. Um, you know, he's down over, I think he lost oh, like 400 pounds or something like wow. that, like something insane. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's just had to restructure his habits and the way he does things, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. he said, he's like, yeah, I'm not hungry all the time, you know, but like, for example, like um, we went and trained together when I was out in California and I said, well, you want to get lunch afterwards? It's like, well, he's like, I, I would rather control my own food. I was like, okay, cool. No worries. You know what I mean? What does that I, mean though? What does that mean? Uh, he doesn't want, he doesn't want to go out to, uh, he didn't want to go out. To, oh, he didn't want anybody else cooking his own food. I see. Right. 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 Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and part of that is because who knows, maybe that's like, you know, eating out might be a little bit of a trigger for him in yeah. terms of like to overeat or that sort of thing, yeah. or he's just developed these sorts of habits of what he's comfortable with. Like every, yeah. it's funny the the weird food rituals you get into when you bodybuild, right? Like yeah. I'm, I have, you know, my wife has her own rituals. Like, yeah. so my wife is the, she constantly moves. I never see this woman sit down. Like yeah. she, like she had a TV for a year. She bought a TV uh, at her old apartment in Australia, had it for two years. And when she went to sell it, she realized she didn't know how to turn it on because she'd never turned it on. <laughs> so she never sits down. She never yeah. sits down. Yeah. yeah. Um, so she literally eats all her meals standing up. 
And she gets like, if we sit down to dinner at the house, she will just be so uncomfortable. Yeah. Like you'll ju- you just see her like, cause she's out of her element. Yeah. Whereas yeah. me, like I, and I probably developed this weird habit during contest preps. When I eat, I want to be alone. Yeah. I want to have, I want to, I want to be, have all the time in the world That's to eat it. Right. Yep. And I want to read something while I'm eating it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be entertained while I'm eating my food. That's it's so exactly. Weird. Yeah. Probably developed out of like me attempting to slow myself down when I was eating. Cause you know how it is. Like any, pick anything. You can plow yeah. through it in 30 seconds. No. <laughs> you know, just, yeah. I used to make, I, would, I used to purposely make my food taste shittier. So it would take longer to eat. Yeah. Or <laughs> I, I would use, um, I use chopsticks a lot. Oh, that's a good idea. I've never tried that. Myself down. Right. Yeah. Rice would take a long time. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of that weird habit I developed that ends up like leaking over into the rest of your life. But you, you find that people who lose a lot of weight and keep it off have to develop some sort of, of habits and rituals around food that rewires the way they think about it. Yeah. I, I definitely have a lot of those triggers myself. Like, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Like when you said the whole eating out thing, when I eat out, it's almost a trigger to give myself the day off. Right. That's right. why. I, that's why I don't go for breakfast because I'm like, oh, I just fucked my whole day. Like I just know the yeah. rest of the day is a write off. So, yeah, yeah that makes you got sense. The, you got that little bit of that perfectionist mentality. I I don't have a perfectionist mentality. I have an all or nothing mentality. So oh, it's okay. like, so if I go out for breakfast and if I have a clean breakfast, you know, I just have eggs and pan, eggs and toast. I'm fine. But if I go for breakfast and I have pancakes, the rest of the day is a fucking write off. I'm like, because <laughs> <laughs> so, so, in my head I'm like, well, I just fucked up my day. I might as well just keep going. Yeah. And that's, you know, a lot of people struggle with that. A lot of people struggle with that. Right. And it's, but you know, it's, I always tell people, I'm like, you know, your best and worst attributes are always right up against each other. So the fact that you, you have that, right. That's also probably what made you really successful in bodybuilding. When it came time to flip the switch, you were like, you didn't, you didn't matter. You you could say no to everything. Right. Like, cause if you were in, you were in. I just said that uh, in my last podcast, I think you said that you said, or it was, couple podcasts ago i don't remember but the things that make you the best are also the, you're probably the things that make you the worst it's kind of like they're the same faults right i always say people's best and worst attributes are right up against each other yeah, you know, it's one yeah. of the things i had to learn with you like you we talked about working with our wives like yeah you know it can be hard with 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 holly because like she's so driven and focused sometimes i feel like i don't even exist you know yeah. what i mean yeah and uh yeah. and i have to be like i'll start getting upset you know, cause you I'm start like, getting, you start getting needy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Cause I've, never, I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> I've never been needy in a relationship. Till I, I, know. Her. I know. Cause, and you know, she's such a hard worker and very beautiful woman, you know, like, it's like, I'm like, well, God damn, like I'm a fuck. I'm worth a <laughs> shit too. You know, damn it. Um, but uh, you know, yeah. it's like, how can I get mad at her? Because that's one of the reasons I fell in love with her was cause she I was know. such a hard worker. So it's, it's, um, yeah, so for those of you out there with loved ones who have things that piss you off about them, try to really ask yourself, is it also one of the reasons that you love that person The flip too? side, yeah, yeah. It probably is. I'm going to ask you one more question, and this one's a selfish one, and I want to ask you before you go, because now we've definitely been on for over the time, but uh, I had a little bit of a kidney issue, or have a little bit of a kidney issue, and one of my okay. main questions I want to ask, because I kept keep getting like conflicting answers from many different people some that know a lot some who don't but um is eating a high protein diet or a moderate protein diet going to affect my kidneys 
And I know it doesn't in healthy kidneys, but does it in compromised kidneys? Well, okay. So what's, what, uh, we got to dig into this a little bit. What was specifically they found that was wrong? Well, my, my, my GFR is too low. Like it's, it's, it's heading South. It's not low to the point where I need dialysis or anything like that, but it's getting to the point where it's going to be hard to reverse if I don't stop now. So I've made a lot of adjustments in my life and I've actually lowered my protein, but I keep hearing these things that it doesn't, even in compromised kidneys that it's okay to eat a, pro, a moderate to high protein diet. And I'm like, I, I need to get some type of definite answer. I'm not saying you're the expert on everything, but maybe yeah. you have something solid. It's, um, it's kind of a little bit of a balancing act because you want, uh, have you had like an ultrasound done or Im- any kind of imaging of the kidney? Uh, yes. I had a MRI. Did I have an MRI? Did that, did that, did that show anything? It showed some scarring of the uh, glomerulus. Is that what it's okay. called? Yeah, it showed okay. some scarring. So there, is, so there is there is something going on there. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. the, re- the reason I'm asking is because sometimes people go in and they're like, oh, my BUN is elevated or my creatinine is elevated or whatever. I'm like, yeah, well, welcome to lifting. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just being big um, muscle but mass. No, that, so that does sound like there is some sort of issue going on. Yeah. Um, so what I would say is it's it's hard to test because – they really, you don't want to give people who are in, you know, kind of renal failure or close to yeah. renal failure say, yeah. okay, well, we're going to put this group on really high protein and this group yeah. on low protein. We're going to see which one of them dies first, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. So, um, the, the, so what you're trying to balance um, when you're in this sort of uh, condition is you're trying to balance getting in enough protein to where the tissue can recover and repair, but not so much that it's, you know, a stress on the, on the tissue. Yeah. So, um, and for those listening out there, again, there is no evidence that high protein diets harm a healthy kidney. If you kidneys are healthy, do not worry about eating a high protein diet. You're just fine. Yeah. Um, what I would say is it depends on the stage. If we're talking about in stage renal failure. Yeah. Um, but you probably can get by with like 1.2 to 1.4 grams per kilogram of body weight. Oh, I'm and lower than I'm lower than that now. You're lower than that. Yeah. I might like I've lowered it down to like 0.8. Point per per kilogram. Well, what I've done is I've kind of did uh, per pound. So oh, per pound. Okay. So I've done my own little experiment. Uh, what did you say? 1.4 per pound or per kilogram? Per kilogram. So that's 0.7. Well, about 0.7. Yeah. yeah. So okay. So I'm a little above what you said, but um, what I'm doing is kind of my own little experiment. Is I've reduced to 0.8, and I want to see what my soreness is like. Do you think that? makes sense and I, I this is like a totally full disclosure podcast now but so so i the way i'm gauging my protein intake right now is by uh recovery okay so i feel like if i can lower to 0.8 and i can still recover in time in the same amount of time i was recovering before or close to it that i'm saving my kidneys but also still recovering the way i need to um, that is that a is that a good gauge you think or is that because kind of going back to the strength thing you were talking about with dieting is yeah. if, I have, if I have my strength, if I have my recovery, then I feel like it's okay to go that low. Yeah, the problem is, is that recovery is, a little more, is more complicated than soreness. But, hmm. um, you know, it probably isn't a bad metric. You know, if you find yourself getting overly sore from How the same I, workouts. Now we're going to go into a whole other thing. You're going to be on here for another two hours. How do I know? <laughs> How do I know if I've recovered if I'm fucking not sore? Well, so if there's I, a few if, different. If I train legs on Saturday. And yeah. by, by Wednesday, I'm not sore anymore. And, so, I want, and I want to hit a second leg day. 
Is that so here's, not, yeah. you, you want me to really blow your mind? We don't even really know oh, here we go. what Fuck. causes soreness. Like okay. we're, we're not even totally sure what causes soreness. Great. Okay. Um, <laughs> but um, so I think if your strength has recovered, so if you go back in and, yeah. you know, obviously like some days you just don't have it in the gym and that yeah. happens. But yeah. If, if in general, you know, you're, you're taking the same amount of time and your strength has recovered to where you're hitting similar weights yeah. Then you can conclude that you're you're and you don't have you know you don't have like um, palpable soreness. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would consider that recovered. So if you're okay, so is strength is a bigger component than you'd say. Well, the reason we like strength is because it's it's functional and it's objective, right? Soreness is a little bit subjective. Like, yeah, yeah. If somebody's a pussy. They could be like, I'm sore, and really they're not. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, and it's also, like I said, soreness is, is complicated as well. You can actually be sore and still hit, you could still possibly be recovered as well yeah. Yeah. because soreness isn't necessarily indicative of muscular recovery. Um, there's, like I said, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, but um, yeah. But how I think, do I, okay, but wait a minute. Now, this, this is confusing as fuck because how do I know? Okay. I trained legs Saturday. <laughs> right, right. I want to, this happened to me yesterday. This happened to me just yesterday. I trained legs Saturday. I want to do my second leg day on Tuesday. Yeah. And my legs aren't sore, but they're a little tight. So in my mind, I'm like, maybe they're not fully recovered. So in my mind, I'm like, I think they're recovered enough. I'm going to go in and hit it. Now, it happened to be a stronger workout for me. I actually uh, got, I was a little stronger than the pre the workout before, but how do I know I'm going to be stronger? That's the thing. Like you're oh, saying. Oh, that's the, that's, that's the million dollar question. If we knew that. <laughs> We can unlock but you're that. saying, but you're saying measure your recovery by your strength. And I'm like, how do I know if I should hit this leg day? If I have to know if I'm going to be stronger already, you know, it's such a tough thing. You're not going to it's, know. It's, it's so tough. You, yeah. I, like I said, I, I think in terms of your protein intake, it's obvious that like, uh, based on what you're telling me from workout to workout, it seems like you're recovering fine. I feel right? like I'm pretty, you, I'm pretty okay. You're not, yeah. you're not seeing, it's not like you were doing this sort of programming and now you're consistently sore and you're weaker, you know, every other, every workout, every other yeah. workout, that's not happening. So you're, you're getting yeah. proper recovery in, um, in terms of like how to project, you know, those sorts of things, like people have tried a lot of different stuff. Like there's uh, you know, HRV heart rate variability. People have talked about, there was a study on that came out showing that it really didn't predict recovery yeah, or, strength yeah, yeah. or that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, what I've actually been using and this is a little bit more, um, this is going to show how much of a super nerd I am. So I, I bought a, 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 a velocity device. So basically okay. it's a, it's a, it's a accelerometer that has a, a cable that you attach, you have a magnet and you attach to the bar, right? Okay. So for okay. like squat, for example. Oh, to show how fast your squat is, like how, how much. Right. So when I'm, when I'm, when I'm warming up, what happens is I know like my last warm up on squat, which is usually around 500 pounds. Yeah. Um, I squat that at about on average a 0.3 meter per second. Okay. So if I go in and I squat and I'm warming up and I hit it and it's a 0.25, I go, Ooh, I don't, I don't got it today. Right. <laughs> okay. So, so what can I do? Do I, do I leave the gym? Well, I could, or I could just say, okay, you know, I'm going to take it a little bit easier today. We're going to, we're going to dial work back the intensity, yeah. you know, just get some, some work in, get enough volume in, you know, and, and then, you know, we'll have it the next time. And then I've had days where like I go in cause it's, it's tough. Like your feelings will lie to you sometimes. Like yeah. I've gone in where I've been like, man, I feel like shit. Yeah. End up hitting some good weights. Yeah. You know? All the time. So, um, yeah. I had that, I was out in California and I was uh, training at um, SoCal Barbell 
And I, I remember thinking, man, uh, you know, that travel and then, you know, not sleeping in your own bed and all that kind of stuff. Plus yeah. maybe a little bit too much alcohol. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, today's probably just gonna be one of those days. I'll just take what's there. Yeah. And I hit my last squat warm up and I was like, oh, 0.33. Okay. Well, it's going to be a good day. Uh, maybe, maybe it'll be all right. Let's so, yeah. you know, what I did was I didn't, I didn't like immediately jack the weight up. I increased yeah. it incrementally, did my set, was still hitting good speeds. I said, okay, well, let's go up a little more and go up a little more, right? And I, yeah. Yeah. I did it that way. So I think, you know, I don't know if bodybuilders are going to start toting around bar velocity. No, <laughs> no. Well, because but, not, um, not because it doesn't make sense, just because strength is not my biggest driving force in the gym. Right, right. But, yeah. but what I would say is what you could do is – you know, when you're on various exercises, make sure you always warm up the same way with the same yeah. kind of, right? Yeah. And then just kind of gauge, like, how do I feel on yeah. this last warm-up set? Like, make that last warm-up set, you know, a relatively heavy weight that, you know, you're not going to hit failure with, but, you know, you're, you're going you're gonna to kind of know what you've got for that day. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, when you do it like that, you can say, then you could say, I have had days where I, like, hit that last warm-up and I go, you know what? Fuck this today. Yeah. You know, yeah, I've been there. Gym. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so going so going back to the protein intake then, if you my, I never thought you were going to get from protein intake and kidneys to bar velocity devices. Yeah, today. sorry, that, well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you end up going there, but we'll, we'll work it all in. No, um, so going back to the protein, if I'm not losing strength, and I don't feel like I'm losing mass, I can probably keep that point eight. Fine. That point yeah. eight where it is, right? Most, most, I tell this to everybody, I said, most average people under consume protein, most bodybuilders over consume it. Right? Yeah. But I've always, I mean, over, I, I, but I was always, I've always over consumed on purpose. Like I knew I was over consuming. Right. And, and you know, protein is one of those things where like I tell people like more is not going to hurt you. Yeah. So, you know, if you got to err on the side of caution, you know, in terms of gaining muscle, like you, you, know, you have more protein, right? Yeah. yeah. But, exactly. um, you know, if you hate, pro like I like protein. I don't mind eating it. People are like, yeah. how do you eat? You know, I eat like, uh, like 240, 250 grams a day. Yep. People, like people in our carbon diet coach group, people go, how do you eat that much? I'm like, yeah, I know. Oh, man. Just have a few chicken breasts and eggs for breakfast and a couple protein shakes and you're right there. You know, it's not to the average good. person. It seems like it's an enormous task, but to us, it's yeah. just, it's like a normal thing. But that's just habits, right? Yeah. You know? So, and you've probably yeah. had to change your habits, right? Like you yeah. had to be like, you probably had to skip one of your meals. You usually have protein meal. Well, it's just, it's gone from like eight ounces to four. Right. You know what I mean? exactly. So it's like, it's a, it's a pretty big jump, but I made up for it with a little more carbs. Yeah. But then I don't know how glucose affects your kidneys either. Right. So I'm like, um, if you were insulin resistant, then it would no. be a, it'd be a, it'd be a worry, but you're yeah. not, um, yeah. you know, your, your, your blood glucose is probably normal. So, yeah. you know, the glucose that your kidneys are seeing is not abnormal. So yeah. it's probably just fine. You yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and, and the thing is like, people don't realize like, you know, I think there's this, this fear amongst bodybuilders of like you, you curtail your protein intake, you know, like you, cause you've got to probably cut it down by half is my guess. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, that you're just going to start stripping, well, you know, <laughs> lean body mass right off. It's just going to fall right off. Right? But it's different for me. Cause I'm not growing anymore. I think if I was younger, I'd have that problem. I think it's a lot easier to maintain muscle mass than it is to build it. So that is true. That is I feel, true. I feel like I'm okay at four ounces. Cause I feel like I'm not going to lose muscle very, very easily at all. That, that's true. But, yeah. you know, the thing to keep in mind is it's, it's not like there's this linear path of, okay, as I go from, you know, a, a low protein intake to a high protein intake, I'm just like, the whole time is just linear yeah, yeah. muscle gain. It's, it's like this. Yeah, no, I know. I you know, know. like that. Yeah. It's kind of asymptotic, right? 
Yeah. So, um, you know, you probably can get, you know, 90 to 95% of the benefits of protein just by making sure you're getting like, you know, 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7 grams per pound, right? Yeah. Like you're yeah. probably getting the vast majority of the benefits, but again, competitor, right? Want to absolutely make sure you're eking out every little yeah. bit of it. Yeah. Well, then it makes sense to, you know, maybe pump it up to those, those, those higher, higher ends. I think even the average person though, I think the main problem is they don't understand the other macros. Yeah. The main, the main problem I run into in the gym is I'm eating lots of protein. I don't know why I look like shit. And yeah. I'm like, what's the rest of your diet look like? They're like, well, I'm on low carbs. And then they don't know anything about fats, like yeah. nothing. They know protein, they know carbs, and they know what's fats. They don't, they're like, so. Well, they, 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 a lot of people, they, you know, they don't understand why they're gaining body fat, like when they're eating high protein and you look at their protein choices and it's like, yeah. well, they're, they're eating chicken thighs and they're eating, you know, <laughs> ribeye steaks and, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. And, yeah. and they're eating, you know, 80, 20 ground beef, you know, that sort of thing. And yeah. it's like, well, are they in there eating whole eggs, right? I, like, I, I get the opposite guys coming up to me. They're the guys that are like, lean and they're like you know the men's physique guys or just guys that want to look good at the beach or whatever and they're like i haven't put on any muscle my workouts feel like shit blah, blah. and i'm eating 300 grams of protein and i'm like but you're eating 100 grams of carbs and you're not right. eating any, and you're not eating any fats and that, and that also can be part of it can be the the you know sometimes i've had to lower protein in people you know especially because yeah. if they're so satiated from such high protein it's like oh well let's yeah. dial that protein back and like yeah. put in some more carbohydrate because Remember, carbohydrate is very protein sparing. Yeah. Like even up past a certain point, carbohydrate is more protein sparing than actual more protein. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's why I tell people, I'm like, you know, more is not necessarily better. Like there is a, a balance to it, you yeah. know, and, and everybody's so afraid of carbohydrates these days. I feel like this comes around every 10 years. So it's like, yeah. I can't have any carbohydrates. And I'm like, I've, <laughs> I put up a, um, a graphic. So in our, not to, not to sell it more. Going uh, back to sell it. It's okay. You, you can, can sell look it. At, you can go, there's a, a me section on here and you can go and pull up some of your data. So I can look at like my average carbohydrate intake over the last year. Hang on one second. So I'll pull up carbs year. So yeah, my, my average carbohydrate intake over the last year has been 300 grams, right? Yeah, that's great. Even yeah. though I've lost, right. I've lost, you know, yeah. 30 pounds over that time. Yeah. So I'll, I'll show this. People are like, well, you know, you know, you can't lose weight on, on eating carbs. And I'm like, talk about man. What's what are you your, about? what's your fat intake out of curiosity? Uh, like, well, let's take a look. Let's 50, 50, 70, 80 grams. Uh, right now it's uh, in my deficit weeks. It's been about 75 to 80. Yeah. Um, and then right now it's over a hundred, mm. but let me just go back and we'll, but that's the thing people don't understand. You have to have an energy source somewhere. And right. they're taking away both energy sources and protein doesn't make for a great energy source at all. No, no, it's not. So about 90. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, again, like it's, it's, you know, balanced macronutrients. All, you know, they all, they all three have a role. You know, I, yeah. I always tell people, I'm like anybody who's coming to you and telling you to cut out like, you know, whole portions of diet. Yeah. Everything's tools in the tool belt. You know, I've always been like thing, that too. Yeah. People say, well, don't eat fruit because this, that. I'm like, listen, man, you're never going to hear, like, show me the obese person who was like, oh, I just can't stop eating apples, you know? Like, <laughs> come on, man. Come on. Yeah. I mean, that's a competitor thing. I don't know if that's an average. Does the average person say that? I don't know. No, there's, there's, there's actually like, um, like anti-fructose people now that are like, mm. oh, you can't have fruit because it has fructose. I don't know when people will realize that there's no, I can't have anything. It's just about how much of that thing you're having. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you go crazy on stuff, like if you, 
I but mean, that goes for anything. This, if you if you had a super high fat diet, you'd be fat. If you had a super high yeah. carb diet, you'd be fat. I mean, like. Well, this comes from um, there's some rodent studies where they feed like sixty percent, like sixty percent of total calories from fructose, yeah. and they see weird shit going on in the liver and whatnot. But I'm like, okay, sixty yeah. percent of calories from <laughs> fructose. Let's just think about this for a minute. They have to eat a, a bushel. Coke. A yeah. Coke is fifty-five percent. So if you yeah. drink nothing but cokes as yeah. your calorie source, you still wouldn't hit that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. How is this physiological? Fruit is like less. Some fruits are less than half fructose. So yeah, yeah. yeah it comes from the bodybuilders. It's like, well, it doesn't replenish muscle glycogen. That's kind of the. the thing. But I've just actually this is I, I feel embarrassed that this is something I recently found out, but it does replenish muscle glycogen because I thought, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it helps you load glucose faster. So um, there's, there was a study done where they looked at giving either sucrose, mm. which is 50% glucose, 50% fructose, yep. or pure glucose on muscle glycogen, glycogen replenishment. Yep. And they found that they had the same, that it was, really? the, it was the exact same. Because I was, and, sorry. And to there, was actually, there was one other study, it was in rodents, but it was, it was, yeah. it was a study nonetheless that showed that the rate was actually a little bit quicker with sucrose. Okay. And the reason they think that might be is because your liver gets first pass at everything yeah. that comes through the system yeah. other than fats because they go through the lymphatic system. Sure. But um, so as that glucose is coming through, if it's pure glucose, the liver's picking off you know, quite a bit yeah. of it. Yeah. Whereas if you've got fructose with that, the liver is going to take the fructose, convert that to glycogen and leave yeah. the glucose alone to go towards you know, the peripheral tissues. Yeah. Um, and the other thing to think about as well is even if you ate only fructose, let's like, let's just, Let's just yeah. play a game here. Say you, you worked out, you had a meal of 100% fructose, right? Yeah. yeah. You would still end up replenishing muscle glycogen over time. And the reason yeah. is because muscle, once it's been uh, like reduced with glycogen, it becomes very greedy. Yeah. There's even evidence that during fasting, you can um, replenish some of your muscle glycogen during a workout because of gluconeogenesis and, yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. So um, the, the liver converts fructose into glycogen. Well, the liver can then give up that glycogen and put it into the bloodstream. Okay. And then your peripheral tissues can pick it up. So, you know, that's, I think that's where the whole, um, like, that's why I tell people, I'm like, if you, if you want to have fruit, it, it's fine, right? Yeah, I just thought it made a lot of sense that for, you know, for those guys in the off season that are trying to, you know, replenish glycogen stores, it's good to have like an apple with your rice or like, you know, pineapple with your chicken and rice or something. Yeah, it's just good. It's just good for your health. I mean, there's yeah, a recent yeah. study that came out that, you know, we always see these studies that show that meat's associated with cancer and all this kind of stuff. Well, um, a lot. I've always said that a lot of that is people who eat a lot of meat tend to eat low amounts of fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Um, so they actually stratified um, people in this cohort, looking at like low, medium, high fruit and vegetable intake and low, medium, high meat intake. Yeah. And they showed that the highest level of meat intake, if they also had high fruit and vegetable intake, there was absolutely no association with cancer or cardiovascular disease. Interesting. So it's, I think it's more about what people are omitting out of their diets versus not. But yeah. now in terms of like, things have gone so crazy now because now we have people saying that vegetables are bad for you and like you know, uh, all that kind of stuff. I wonder if the meat uh, in that study, I wonder if the meat people ate more meat because they weren't eating any fruits and vegetables. Well, well, that's part of it. Typically, you know, typically if you're adding something more into your diet, you're displacing something else. That's right. Right. So, and, and think about the meat that most people eat. It's not like what yeah. you're eating, right? They're, yeah. they're going and getting hamburgers, Crap, yeah. fried chicken and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. And those people aren't likely to eat a lot of fruits and vegetables either. Right. Cause they're just, their whole 
it's called uh, healthy user bias, right? Like yeah, their, yeah. their whole diet's unhealthy. Um, so that's why it was interesting in this study that when they stratified for that and they said, okay, well, let's look at these people who do have a healthy diet, but are also eating a lot of meat. Mm-hmm. They don't see these health problems, right? Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. I heard that thing about the vegetables being bad for you now and how they're like living animals or living by like organisms and they have like a enzyme they release when you eat them. Defense mechanisms. Defense mechanisms against being eaten and shit. And I'm like, where does like where do we stop, man? Like, this is my this is my favorite. Like I'm actually doing a debunk right now of uh, Paul Saladino appearing on the Joe Rogan podcast because he's one of these guys who who believes that. I know. And um, he he, I was in a debate with him, and he actually caught me off guard because I didn't really know his his full position on everything. And he was like, "Well, you know, as a defense mechanism, plants are trying to poison us." And I just kept thinking, if plants are trying to poison us, they're doing a fucking shitty job of it. <laughs> like. <laughs> Dude, I have. I have. Are Paul. they playing the? Are they playing like the million year game on this one or what? Like I have. I have Paul coming on the podcast, and I want to ask. Oh, him do I do because I want to ask him about this. I want to ask him about because it's not. I listen. I'm not going to sit here and claim I know. I don't. I'm not a scientist, and I don't. You know, read a lot of research papers. But I want somebody to explain it to me. So I wanted to have him on to talk about it. And if it sounds, you know, to me it doesn't sound right. I'm not going to sit here whether I'm having him on the show or not. But yeah. if you can make a case for it, I'll listen. I, I like having everybody on the show and, you know. Well, read, my, read my debunk first. <laughs> uh, I'm not, I don't listen. The one thing I don't do is argue with anybody on the show. Everybody, can, <laughs> everybody gets to have their own opinion and I don't. No, no, it's all good. I, I think the, the thing that, to keep in mind is that if you want to find isolated components in any kind of food, you yeah. can make the argument that they're bad for you, right? Yes, so yes. you have a fructose like we just talked about. You can find mechanisms by which fructose is bad. Yeah. Glucose, same thing different amino acids, you can find mechanisms while with they're, they're bad for you. Um, you know, polyunsaturated fats, you can find mechanisms yep. by which they're bad for you. But we have to look at like, what are the actual hard outcomes say, right? Like, so if we look at the, the populations of people who live the longest, yeah, they eat a lot of plants. Yeah. So, you know, it's hard to make the argument that, that plants are somehow poisoning us. I don't know why. Why does every, every different faction of food tend to demonize the other you know what i mean like there's the the vegans are bad and there's the carnivore guys that are like vegetables are bad and there's the anti-fruit there's a a group against everything and i'm like it's just fucking food man like it's not that hard to figure out i think there's there's two things to what you're saying and this is really i've actually spent a lot of time really thinking about this over the past few years because it's like you know it would be like if like i like flexible dieting right like that's what was really helpful for me but it'd be like in order for me to validate, it's almost like they need validation as to why what they're doing is the absolute yeah. best possible thing, right? And so it'd be like if I came out and was like, well, not only is flexible dieting just as good as something else, it's actually better for you. It boosts your metabolism. It, you know, does- And that other, that other thing is going to kill you. Right, yeah, 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 exactly. So yeah. I think that, you know, a lot of this started because, you know, vegans tend to, it's like that annoying friend who's always trying to convert you to something, right? And you just get fucking tired of it. So then you start giving them shit back about what they yeah. actually believe, right? Yeah. So I think we, it, you see this in politics, right? Like if you, if you sit two people in a room and have a conversation, usually you're not, like two good, nice, decent people aren't going to be that far apart. No. Right? No, yeah, yeah. Or they won't be that entrenched in their position where they can't right. respect, happens, respect the other person. 
But what happens is like, I know all you Canadians are watching with your popcorn out our election right now. Like, <laughs> I, was like watching, I was watching it last night. I'm like, these motherfuckers, these motherfuckers are going to kill each other. These um, but that's what happens, right? So you have like something happens, like, for example, the, the George Floyd thing, right? Where the, yeah. this guy um, um, is possibly killed by a police officer. Um, so people will say, um, like somebody will say black, I believe in Black Lives Matter. And then somebody else goes, well, you, you, you hate cops? And it's like, well, that person didn't say that. That's not what, yeah, yeah. That, that yeah. You can find a, you can find like the, the most extreme version of that faction that, yeah. will, that will say that, but that's yeah. not what most people in that believe, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. The same token, somebody says, well, I, you know, I support our police and I believe in a strong police force and that sort of thing. You say, well, you, you're okay with cops killing black people? No, that's not what they said. Right, yeah, like yeah, but yeah, we yeah. do this in diet too, right? Like so, I'll say, carbohydrates aren't the devil, and somebody will be like, "You're okay with high fructose corn syrup getting poured into everything?" I'm like, you know, so yeah. I think that's part of it, and I think also it is the it is the tendency to find we find something that worked so well for us, yeah. right? In terms of we felt good, we made an improvement, um, that we now it's like we want to convert everybody. Yeah, yeah. Like, but you're I, leaving out you're leaving out one important note and it's money and it's yeah that too because i think this all started with the atkins diet personally i mean it might be because that's around the time when i started getting into nutrition but i remember the atkins diet where all the money you know he started making tons and tons of money and then all of a sudden a whole bunch of other diets came right into the uh came out too there well, was like after atkins there was south beach and then there was you know it just rolled from there i, I think one of the things to keep in mind too is it's it's a lot easier to sell extreme yeah, it is to sell moderation, right? So if I tell somebody, well, it's really about you know you know making sure your calorie targets are correct, getting enough protein. Somebody goes, well, that sounds boring. sounds boring. That's, <laughs> that's what all these fat dietitians say. You know, yeah. they they can't be right. You know, yeah. yeah. So, but this guy, this guy, you know, he says, you know, so you find somebody who maybe they really like eating meat, right? Yeah. And then here's this faction of people saying, well, we eat only meat, and plants are bad for you. And it's what's called confirmation bias. It's like yeah. they already didn't like eating vegetables yeah, yeah, and they liked yeah. eating meat. So yeah. it was like, oh, fuck research. I like that. This is the you best diet. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and yeah. I, I found that, you know, there was a study years ago that showed, they showed people that this is like a political thing, but it applies to diet too. Um, you know, they, they showed people um, information data that would either refute or support a political belief that they had. Yeah. And what they found was both things were equally effective at entrenching the person further into their belief. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So it's people end up believing what they want to believe. Like so, for ex great example, find thing, find things to make themselves feel good about their decision. So, I used to be somebody who was like, you know, LDL cholesterol is not that big of a deal. It's more about the ratio of HDL to LDL. Yeah. And then I had friends who were lipid lipidologists send me all these like study, study called Mendelian randomizations as, as well as all these meta-analyses and mechanistic data. And I looked at all this evidence and I was like, Oh no, it looks like it's fucking causative. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. I changed my mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I just got given so much overwhelming evidence. So at a certain point you look at the person and you go, how much evidence would you need to see before you change your mind? Right. Yeah. Some and I remember, yeah. There was a, a guy named Gary Taubes who was actually on Rogan's podcast a while back. And he was, uh, he debated a guy named Alan Argon. I don't know if you ever heard of Alan, no. but he's in the fitness industry. 
and, and it was about carbohydrates. And, you know, at the end of the, the debate, Alan had presented like all this data, yeah. right? Yeah. And Al, Alan's like, so he asked him two things. He was like, if I showed you enough data, would you change your mind? And Gary's yeah. like, no. <laughs> and, and then he said, so Gary was funding uh, two studies that were going to prove his hypothesis, which I'm like, yeah. that's not the way you do it in science. You don't set out to prove a hypothesis. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. Alan's like, well, what if they show what the opposite of what you think? Will you change your mind? He's like, no. And it's mm. like, what are you going to do? There's no point at that point. Yeah. 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 Well, interesting, man. We could go on forever because I, I have like 10 more things I want to ask you about. But well, it, let's do it again sometime. We will because it's been like two and a half hours. So uh, <laughs> I, I apologize for keeping you, man. Um, I That's all right. Gonna, you, you, did a, you did a great sales job on my app. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think there's like a half an hour of infomercial in here. No, but no, it honestly really interests me because I've always, listen, I've been coaching for a long time and I've always thought to myself, it'd be really cool if somebody could automate this. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of have now. So I think it's really cool. But the app is called Carbon Diet Coach? Carbon Diet Coach available on iOS and Android. Yep. And All right. Then, is anything else you want to plug while you're on here? I think you got your own No, you can't plug your supplement company. You already plugged your app. That's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So we're, I think we're going to be launching next week, probably next Friday. Uh, it's okay. called Outwork Nutrition. You can find it at outworknutrition.com. And then other than that, you know, just follow me on social media and check out my website, biolane.com. Awesome. Thank you very much, Lane. I appreciate your time, man. No worries, buddy. Thank you for having me on. Okay, dude. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. Bye-bye.